Hello and welcome to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, this is our review show for January 2019. So we're starting off 2019 with a, a brand new way of doing our review show. Uh, we were going to call this our number one review show. Uh, although for those who've been listening before and for those Marvel fans like myself, like Keith, uh, this is Legacy number 35, which I think is quite a, a good number to have got yeah, to. Yeah, already you've uh, recorded 35 podcasts. Yeah, it's, uh, it's went by pretty quickly, I have to say, a bit like the store itself, I suppose, since opening it. But uh, yeah, as usual, we have our, our usual panel here to my right, as always. Kieran. Uh, across the table. Keith. And also joined by Roddy. Yeah, so welcome, guys. Um, we're going to start off uh, this review show. We obviously did a massive end of best of year, uh, best of 2018 show. Extravaganza. Extravaganza is one <laughs> word to put it. I've had a lot of compliments back for the show. A lot of people actually commending our uh, the length of time we were able to ramble on about comics for. Um, but one of the things we wanted to just address in this review show quickly was. We talked about what our favourite movie of last year was and none of us had seen Spider-Verse yet. So we thought we'd throw it in there quickly. Managed to see it a few weeks ago now. Um, what were everybody's impressions? Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was... Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe the best Spider-Man movie I've seen yet. Um, I thought the, the animation style was... Uh, was really interesting. Really really different from, from really a lot of animation styles I've seen mm. before. I thought... Um, they they stuck nicely to a lot of the stuff that's been laid down. You know, obviously the main character of this was Miles Morales, Spider Man, Genesis creation from the Ultimate Universe originally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it had that real uh, cross universal sort of thing. So we had mm-hmm. what Spider Man yeah. Noir and uh, Spider Ham, yeah, Gwen <laughs> Stacy, Spider Gwen, Parker, uh-huh. and uh, Ben uh, Peter, Peter Peter B, B. Parker. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting, really enjoyable. Really mm-hmm. enjoyed the style of it. Really enjoyed the story. Uh, oh, the Stanley cameo! Wow, you just had the mention. You're gonna <laughs> set me off again there. I swear, I I genuinely teared up so much at that. Yep. I was uh, yep. sitting beside Vicky. Uh, Keith was well. Keith was the row behind me, so he wouldn't have saw it. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> he had to sit in the middle of the cinema as opposed That's to the. That's why end. Keith was behind you. <laughs> Maybe he knew that was coming. Yeah. But I swear, I I welled up at that so much. I mean, that was the first Stanley cameo, obviously since his untimely passing, and the manner of it. I think it might actually replace the one from Spider-Man Three mm, yeah. as yeah, the yeah, quintessential so cameo. Yeah. You know, talk, you know, him being the person that hands out the suits. Which is unfortunate because Spider-Man 3 needed a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let it have its time. Spider-Man 3 is not that bad a movie. There's no, there's it's... terrible, terrible moments in it. Um, but I don't think it's that bad a movie. I really enjoyed, actually, uh, in Spider-Verse, that moment where, uh, where, where Peter B. Parker explains, you know, in his origin story how, you know... Uh, you know, you you see the uh, the, the yes, really the, horrible Spider-Man three. Yeah. That I did yeah. this. No, I was was that Peter B. Parker or was that just Peter Parker? No, was I, that not the first one? The no, first I, one. I need to. I need to see the Ben Reilly one. I, I was nearly sure it was because uh, <laughs> your Ben Reilly Peter Parker seemed fairly serious. Um, while you know, the guy was about in, to screw in up. In fairness, we did see about seven origin scenes throughout the movie, <laughs> which was one of the best running jokes. Yeah, well, was, let's thought, do this quickly. But I thought it was also the the one of the best connections to the fact that it was a comic. You know what I mean? They weren't yeah. shy about yeah. going both yeah. comic book. Yeah. yeah. There was a real real heart to it and real humour as well. Yeah. Like, just it captured Spider-Man so well for me. Like, yep. 
Where would you place it, Spider-Man wise? I mean, Keith said it's on potentially the, at the top. See, number two, the Tobey Maguire ones has a special place in my heart. But you're probably not wrong. You're I think um, wrong. the only thing with Spider Verse for me was I didn't really. When you went into it, I was like, "What? Where does it sit within mm-hmm. like Marvel movies, yeah. MCU?" That was my only question. I don't think but it does. I don't know. It doesn't it does. at all. Yeah. But like, I don't know if it matters. Really, well, yeah, it's yeah, but, it's all but I'm like, now I want it to matter almost yeah, because yeah. I've been given all these. Oh, they're already planning their own. And all, but they're already planning their own universe. I thoroughly yeah. love, I mean, loved it. To be fair, though, it, it all kind of works with, with the way that uh, the way that Marvel has structured its multiverse. Because yeah. you know, if we if we take the 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 mainline Marvel universe is the six one six universe. Um, you know the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is another universe within that milieu of universes. Uh, you know, so I guess this falls in there somewhere. The uh, you know the, Spider-Man, the Sony animated universe. Yeah. yeah, and I mean it was interesting because the one of the the quirky wee things at the end of uh, into the Spider Verse was whenever Spider Man twenty ninety nine jumped back into the 19th Spider-Man yeah. 1960s cartoon yeah uh, you know which is again another <laughs> how did, universe how did they make a meme like <laughs> the, the no, there was a couple of films, like, couple memes that I yeah. actually caught there was one in the credits it was the meme it's like Spider-Man sitting behind the desk with like, a picture of Spider-Man on the wall yeah, oh dude, yeah they have that in the credits because that's because yeah. I knew that they were going to do that meme going into it but I didn't know how so that's what I was looking for. He's like, are they going to do it now? He's like, oh, they've done that meme. They're going to definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, I think uh, we need to say full disclaimer, spoilers, obviously, mm-hmm. just in case it, anyone has gone this far. This, this is something we should say about the reviews of shows from now on. They're going just to be spoiler filled. We're obviously allowing a grace period of three to four weeks uh, between the releases that we're yeah. going to discuss later. And obviously, Spider Verse has been out what now six weeks, seven yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll never be the kind of we'll never be the kind of podcast that you know spoils something a week after it's come out. Everybody, but you know, we'll life gets in the way and all the rest. <laughs> but uh, we'll let you know just in case. But we're always going to do our best not to throw spoilers out there early. So I think we can talk, you know, as yeah, openly yeah, as we want yeah. about it. So I mean, if we're if we're if we're doing this podcast sort of roughly at this time every month, we're looking at. You know, titles that are between sort of two and six or so weeks yeah. old. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't I mean I wouldn't want even. You know, it's easy to fall a week behind or even two yeah. weeks behind. You know, but you know, three weeks behind, you get no excuse. Or a month yeah. in my case, <laughs> definitely a month and, in uh, my case. We're thinking of doing like TV shows and films as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the review show, the review show will be nice and open. So well, I mean, we, we ultimately threw Spider Verse in here straight away first of all because we hadn't had a chance to see it last mm-hmm. year. Um, I mean, my final word on it would be it was a hell of a lot of fun. Really look forward to watching it again. I did enjoy picking up on little nods to comic book creators. There was a Ramita Cafe. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was yeah, B. Bendis in his phone. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. there was an S. Ditko in his phone as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sarah Pacelli was in there. Yeah, I think there was, was yeah, uh-huh. tons of nods, and I think it's a movie that'll reward re watching. Yeah, Though yeah. I will say, I would love to see it in 3D next time. Um, yeah. I think it looked made for 3D. Mm. And there were a couple of blurry backgrounds at different points that I just think it would be it would work really well in that. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It wouldn't quite be my favorite Spider Man because I am yeah. with Roddy Spider Man Two for me is still the benchmark. Yeah, it was a hell of a cast too. Yeah, and they made the Prowler cool. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, now the the Prowler's been pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You've just stepped on something there. <laughs> yeah, He's about to start swinging. But uh, I thought that uh, I mean that that scene. I just I mean. Th- so, uh, oh, there's there's so much going on actually. Yeah. Um, Aaron, the 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 uncle, 
Uh, he, God, I can't remember. Was, it, was he ever the Prowler? I can't remember. I know certainly in the uh, in, in the more recent Miles Morales books, he has taken on the Iron Spider uh, identity. Oh, okay. um, because there was a whole lot happened with uh, after Secret Wars, where so that's the. the, the the Ultimate Universe was another one of Marvel's, uh, you know, spare universes. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. So that's it. Still you know, trying to catch up to DC in their fifty-two multiverse. I know, but at least we stick with ours. <laughs> DC just keeps growing. Now we've got the Dark Multiverse. <laughs> Source wall has been breached. Sometimes they change them. Sometimes they destroy them. Sometimes they rebuild them. Sometimes they smoosh them together. Uh, I'm glad but, you're back, Karen. You know, you can but, start uh, back me up the DC stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he so he's been a fairly. Uh, Aaron, the, the uncle, has been a, a persistent character, but the original Prowler in the 616 universe is a guy called uh, Hobie Brown. Yeah. Um, uh, he's he's an interesting character too. Um, but yeah, they definitely they he, definitely made the... He was even in um, Homecoming. That's right. Aaron was in Homecoming. Yeah. He's getting uh, interrogated by Peter. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's like the arms dealer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And then... Um, we were wondering if that was going to be a segue to bring Miles Morales into the live action. Universe. I thought that uh, one of my favourite scenes in Spider-Verse was that scene where Aaron has just discovered who Miles actually is. You know, he, he's got him hanging over the edge of the roof and he, he's, you know, he's seen his face and uh, he goes to pull down his mask. He pulls down his mask. He does, and, yeah. You know, and you're kind of going... At that moment, I was going... What's he doing here? Is he is he hiding his identity from someone, or is he going? Well, I can't kill you when you could. That's how I took you, it. But yeah. I can kill you whenever you could spend. That's what I thought. I was like, "Well, you're Spider-Man, you know I mean? so I'm just gonna fucking kill you." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then he puts him back up on his feet, and then there's that shot. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, and then that's when Kingpin yeah, calls uh-huh. him out. So exactly. you don't really know. Yeah, always. That's, that that, that yeah. seems divisive from a few people I've chatted to. How they did Kingpin. I loved how they well, did him. It's just it, yeah, this big, yeah, massive yeah, right. block with a tiny head. But I've it. talked to a few people who thought that was a bit, a bit uh, strange. Looks like a Scotty like Young painting. Scorpion was a bit like kind of blown up as well. Mm-hmm. But they were the kind of the only two that had that fight. Goblin, but I it certainly. Well. Oh yeah. Well, certainly. Goblin was very much the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Goblin, and this was an Ultimate Universe story. So mm-hmm. you know. Um, Tombstone was in there in the background. Um, Never really did anything. Line, yeah. 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 Had a presence. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, great. Really great. Really there was good. another cool thing that I noticed um, reading up afterwards where there's a scene in it where all the Spider-Men are on the roof. They're hiding from someone. They're on the ceiling. They're Spider-Man. all joined together. Yeah. But as they move, they move as like eight legs. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was very, very clever. <laughs> a lot of, lot of great... From Miles's roommate. Yeah. A lot of attention to detail in it. Uh, but, I've um, never found Spider-Gwen as interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just glad they didn't go down the romance angle though with her and Miles. I thought they were going to. Well, here was Take an interesting one. question. Uh, so, and this is something that I think bears re watching. Um, Miles meets Gwen in mm-hmm. school yeah. prior to the accident, mm-hmm. the singularity, which brings the other Spider Man into, into his universe. Yeah. So she's obviously arrived. Ahead of everybody else, or else I think she says no. What the other was she, mentioned she that they all come yeah. in at different times. Oh, yeah. did they? They right. were all okay. dropped in at different times, but it was still because of the singularity. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. No problem. <laughs> Glad you're here. Played yeah. by the awesome Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Yes. He's also in Bumblebee. In Bumblebee. Oh, right. That okay. movie, which I would also recommend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I um, Spider-Verse for me. I think I said it to you all um, whenever I came out of it. It felt like what Lego Batman tried to do, where it was just there was parts for anybody's watching face value there was parts that people that like Lego or people that like whatever but there was also parts for die hard Batman fans oh. so it was like it was there's parts of it just thrown in that was like 
this is for diehard Spider-Man fans, this is for diehard Marvel fans, this is for people that's never watched anything but know who Spider-Man is. It seemed like it had loads of yeah, layers yeah, in it, and uh, it was yeah, working in all different manners. Yeah. Um, I really loved the Doc Ogg reveal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Nick Cage was my favourite part. Right? Uh, yeah. Great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, there, was, there was points where I was sitting in the cinema, so I had seen it. I think you, Keith, and Al went to see it together. I really? just, I don't know. Roddy, yeah, you, went, you went. You Roddy went. Roddy so. and then I, I, went, I went on my own. Well, I didn't go on my own. I went with my nephew, but I went without you guys. And it was, there was parts where I was laughing in the cinema. It was one of those ones where I was laughing and went, hold on a minute. I feel really out of place because I'm laughing on my own. <laughs> because there was even whenever Bendis came up the phone, I let it. Uh, I, I did it all, like without realizing. Just went left it. Ha! Uh, huh? <laughs> I went. Oh, nobody else caught that. <laughs> you should have stood up in the cinema at that point and went. Brian Michael Bendis created Miles Morales. That's why it's funny. <laughs> then just sat back down. There was there was points where I was just letting out laughs and yeah. like, especially um, whenever I was messing to you about playing the Spider Monkey game and swinging through the city, going twip. And then I did it in the movie, and I let oh, it yeah. chuckle because oh, that's what gosh. I was doing playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, great. A bears, bears rewatching for definitely. sure. Uh, highly recommend you go and see it. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, a great movie. definitely. Um, then that just leads us into just a very quick trailer review as well. Um, so we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, sixteenth of January. So uh, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer dropped as well uh, this week. Um, general impressions I'll let the Marvel fans and Spidey fans lead the way on this one go on Karen, take it away <laughs> I love the trailer <laughs> I've watched the movie about six times at this stage I, I, I feel like I'm going to do an in-depth like breakdown and just point out some things that I've noticed in some of my theories about the movie and the MCU but there's parts of the trailers where I paused it and I sit and look at it and I've slowly deconstructed parts where I have a 99% idea of what's happening mm-hmm. what's going to be the outcome of Infinity War or Endgame and they called it Infinity War Endgame it's always going to be Infinity War 2 Infinity War Part 2 Endgame <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like I've, it's shown enough that there wasn't much told but you kind of know where it's going to go and with the, uh, the MCU are we sure it's set before Endgame or after yes, Endgame it's going to be after Endgame but it's, it's one of those things why are you sure of that I'm sure because I feel like they've already done prequels with Ant-Man so I don't think they're going to just keep firing the prequels until they get to the stage where they went right we're safe enough to start the impact in the because it feels like Endgame's going to be such a big event where if they bring out a movie straight afterwards that's a prequel they're going to go I would argue though that Endgame is going to be Marvel slash Disney's biggest movie of all time if they've got a partnership now with Sony where they promote their movies and they let them use Spider-Man yeah. they're not going to let them reveal enough clues that show well this is set after Endgame by the way because yeah. I know based on your theory um, you know Tony Stark's dead at this point um, you're looking at it like uh, Peter Parker's looking at the suit very mournfully as yeah. if that's the suit Tony gave me one of the things people caught was that the big check that Happy brings in says Pepper on it uh, although she runs Stark Industries so yeah. for me that's why her signature's on it um, the theory I like going around at the moment is that this takes place just before Infinity War and therefore the, the school bus that they're coming back on and the bridge in Infinity War yeah. that's where this movie ends but with with home, going back to not home, going back to Infinity War whenever he's on the bus he has the suit on it'd be interesting blue, to compare those two suit. suits Yeah, he has the red blue suit on then he jumps off the bus and he's got the suit on mm-hmm. whereas if he didn't bring the suit on holiday with him why does he still have it 
Where is everyone? Is London? He, but he has a yeah. Well, is, is he not wearing the black suit no, in London? No, the only time you see the you only see the black suit. Not once. black as in like red and no. black. Yeah. But the blue suit is he not using the um the spider wings when he's? No, it's uh, the red and black suit. Oh, okay. There's there's red there's going to be three suits in this maybe the blue the blue and red which we've seen, the black and red which is in the trailer and, and then the, there's like a black the, one the noir suit. I yeah. trust you must have uh, done a little bit of reading around this. Have you? I just watched just the trailer about six yeah. times. But what what I would say is. The Avengers Endgame trailer gave nothing away. Yeah. So for it to give nothing away, no, and this Spider-Man it, trailer to give quite a lot away, because that's, that's honest, my yeah. kind of worry. They, they, they know people are going to deconstruct no, these this, trailers. This is what I'm thinking: is on face value, if you don't deconstruct as much as I have, you're going to. But they know that people will deconstruct these trailers. I don't yeah. think. I like to think anyway. They're not going to be stupid enough to give away plot but details. Didn't, didn't someone from Marvel come out and say? We we done goofed here, and we've announced oh. Black Panther two and Black and Spider Man, and did they not come out and say that they regret announcing all these movies? No, but I mean, characters I think, that have died? I think here's the point: as the four of us are going and disagreeing whether or not it's a prequel or a sequel, which yeah. which just really tells you that that's exactly how the trailer's been constructed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because you don't know. What it's it's trying yeah. to start a discussion. Uh, yeah, so, I I just hate the idea that they have given away stuff like. If this when Spider Man due out September October July. was it July so yeah. started that there's bound to be at least another one possibly two trailers so why not hold back this Nick Fury reveal yeah until the trailer that comes out after Endgame Endgame is April Endgame is April twenty sixth okay. so yeah so it's only a couple it's only a couple of months away another coffin heroes outing coming your way I'm sure oh. for midnight showing <laughs> um I don't know I mean I I liked the trailer I thought it was fun um. I did find it interesting that Keith's first takeaway from it was, uh, and of course they show Mysterio and the first thing he sees is his face, which I thought was interesting, yeah. and it's kind of symptomatic of superhero movies in general. Well, if you're going to cast someone who is a known face, you have to show yeah, their face, which is why, you know, in the original um, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, he spent a hell of a lot of time with his mask Without on. the mask, but wearing uh, the suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, uh, there was an awful lot of the movies, the original superhero movies were like that. Mm. Just lucky Blade didn't wear a mask. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say, I would would it be a stretch to say that I'm probably the keenest Spider-Man fan at the table. Yeah. I don't know. Kieran has Spider-Man: Homecoming as third in his MCU list, which just astounds me. That's okay. I don't know. I wasn't that terribly taken with the trailer. I think it was. Uh, no, no. Do you think I'm we've got a bit of trailer fatigue these days? I'm not a trailer fan. Like, no, I, nor I. I sometimes like stop halfway through and then just with everything. Yeah. But if it's Marvel, I'll probably watch it the whole way and it's, through. I don't know. It's it's his second... It's the second Spider-Man movie, effectively. Yeah. You know what I mean? Spider-Man is... I don't know they make reference to it in the trailer, but Spider-Man is the friendly neighbourhood superhero. He's yeah. a street-level hero. You know what I mean? And his streets are New York. Which yeah. he mentions in you the know. trailer. So can we not just <laughs> see some of Spider-Man in New York before we take him off around the world? Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. My sort of problem with... like, I love the first one. Mm-hmm. but for me it was like my issue was then trying to cram like sort of retroactively make Spider-Man in the MCU yeah so it was a great movie in spite of itself with like Iron Man making a suit and like that's not my Spider-Man yeah yeah. but it was still class yeah. and I still loved it and I loved the Ramon song and I loved the Ram- I want to be sedated in that trailer so that's cool but um at the same time, they've almost gone a bit grand, but like it's Peter Parker, he wants to go. He's a high school student. It seems like he if can they go wanted, for if what this should have done, and obviously with sort of rights and things, it should have been a case where 
there should have been Spider-Man movies coming out as the MCU was starting but not interacting until yeah, later yeah, on so you could yeah, see him yeah. at this point then later on whenever he's older start bringing mm-hmm. in the Avengers yeah. as it did happen <laughs> but it, it, but does, I mean, that it seems like they've sort of tried to shoehorn him into the stage because it's it's late mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I would be if it was me I think I'd be spending a little more time setting up my I mean and clearly they set up cast in this you know we've got Ned and back and we've got MJ and, yeah. and uh, Flash Thompson and you know so all those characters are back you know the ones from the school trip in the first one to yeah. the Statue of Liberty but uh, yeah I'd, I'd be spending a bit more time in New York and I'd be I'd be looking to see J. Jonah Jameson I'd be looking to see even Homecoming took him out in New York because they'll exactly, go to Washington, they Washington you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be looking to see maybe yeah, Yuri Watanabe I'd be looking to see you know what I mean? I'd be looking yeah, to see this, those characters that are going to pin down. You see in the trailers, there's it's it's a trailer we haven't seen Aye. a lot of the film. True. There is parts in the trailer where you see sort of Stark Tower and things like that. You, you do see parts in New York, so it could be a case there's a, a good wee bit of the film. Mm. I'm not saying that there's going to be half the film, but you're but it's called Far From Home. Home. I think what you'll get is the first act will be in New York, the rest of the movie won't be. <laughs> well, well, that mm. clearly, I mean that that tells me that it's it's set before Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Or before Endgame, because you know he's been a lot further from home than Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <even> <laughs> in space. Than Paris, London, and Rome. It's a very good point. Actually, <laughs> that is a very good point. Um, but yeah, the only things I could see in the trailer, really, in New York, was he swinging through the air at one point, taking a selfie. And I don't really recall much more in New York. To be honest, most of it does um, seem London-based, Paris-based, and Venice. And and, and yeah. I just want to know where's he connecting that web fluid to in Venice. Because nearly every building is two stories high, mm-hmm. so how he's going to swing around Venice, I have no idea. It's a good point. Yeah. It's going to be like the computer game thing where it goes into the clouds. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean that's, that's like it's like you know, whenever you were a kid, you always wanted to be Spiderman, and then you thought I live in Korea, and that would be kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> now thinking about, it, I yeah. think that probably that has probably gone through my head when I was a kid. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I don't think that could work. Yeah, I think I can, I can swing around the Europe a couple of times, but that's about me. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why it suits being in New York so much. But uh, yeah, I mean the trailer for me. That was alright. I know I'm going to see this movie opening weekend, whereas of like, course, yeah, when I saw the Avengers Endgame trailer, I got chills. Yeah. I was like, fuck me, I can't wait for this. Whereas this, I was like, oh, there's no, a Spider-Man movie coming out. This to me, whenever I was sort of thinking about it, and coming off of Endgame and making sort of assumptions on they're going to kill Cap, they're going to kill a Captain America, I'm like, sort of, I'm like, it's part of me like, the only characters I kind of like now is Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. So I feel like that's why I'm going to stick around with the MCU is because it's better than Doctor Strange. Maybe better Black Panther as well. I'm probably oh, yeah, and Bucky is the new cap. If oh, if they survive, this is what I'm saying. If, if making assumptions, we know Doctor Strange is better. One's going to survive. Yeah. Whatever comes out of Infinity or Guardians Endgame, as well. I suppose Guardians lineups interchangeable, but and that's been pushed so much that we don't even know. That, that's that is actually anymore. a really real fear, actually, because Cap is my go-to in the Marvel universe. So you'll you'll have your favorite character, and but if Bucky takes over, it's movie. Fun. Yeah. So here's a question: You own a comic shop? Yes. Do you want to talk about some comics? I Let's think we, comics. I think we could do that. You know, we've we've managed twenty odd minutes on, but it is an all encompassing review show, so we're good. Um, but yes, we we sort of tried to state at the start what we're going to do with the review show now is so this one's released in January. We're going to look at the December releases. When we do one in February, we're going to look at the January releases just to give that grace period and to keep the spoilers to a minimum. Hopefully, people have had a chance to catch up. Um, what we'll probably try and do each month as well is look at what we think is the biggest release that month, give our opinion on it. Some comics seem to, you know, bleed out a little bit from just you know comic shops and comic fans to maybe reach a wider audience for one reason or another. And I think we're going to start there with the the December release that certainly qualifies for that. 
which was the second issue of Batman Damned. So Batman Dam number one, we've talked about it before, um, arrived with a massive splash, created loads of controversy, literally due to a little tiny bit of nudity. Um, for us, it was mediocre, I think it's fair to say. Underwhelming. Gorgeous yeah, art, underwhelming. absolutely stunning art. You could look at all yeah. day. You could have framed any page, well, put in your wall. Would you want to frame certain pages? Well, I, <laughs> see, to go back to this, I just, I just don't get it. It's just a lot of nonsense. Um, and yes, I would frame that page because it was... It was still a really class, really brilliantly illustrated page. Yeah. You know, it was but Alfred it, in the background like, helping up the backs. It was uh, supposed to be a great character moment. Yeah, it was, it was a moment. Yeah. Exactly. As, as much as I joke about it, I understand it. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, Batman Dam number one, it, it, frankly, was very, in a baffling way, never given a second print. Mm-hmm. Even, even the creators called out on this the yeah, week yeah, before Batman Dam 2 came out. And Batman Dam 2, of course, is the one we're going to talk about is the December release. Um, I think Kieran should take point on this because this is a title he was looking forward to like you would not believe yeah, and yeah. it's a title that for you it got better with the second issue but it, it's still yeah, maybe not reaching those it got those, better those but it still sort of it fumbled it when it got better mm-hmm. it's yes I read it and went okay that was that was a bit of a step up since issue one but I was still very disappointed and slightly confused still coming out of it not confused story ways, but confused on what universe they're setting up. Yeah. Because with the first one, it seemed like they were just coming straight off the noir universe. It was still going to be very mythical and blah, 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 blah. Having de- a dead man and Zatanna and stuff showing up. Then the second issue, they started going into Etrigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ronnie, we were talking about this earlier, but yeah, I like I liked the betrayal, but it didn't make sense. If, they're, if they have Etrigan as a rapper in this, mm-hmm. why is he not a demon? And then I was starting to think, oh, maybe they're trying to go for a more grounded universe. Okay, he's not a demon, he's a rapper, he's just some random dude. And then I was like, well, Deadman's still there. Mm-hmm. The Constantine's not, not very grounded. Constantine's weird narration, too. Yeah, it, it, it seems like they've just went, let's try and kind of be edgy. Yeah. And try to change things that you're not expecting. But the story itself, it seemed like it still didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It feels, it feels like they're just sort of, it's going from A to B, then next issue A to B A to B and it's kind of it, it seemed like it lost where it was going yeah. one where it was the Joker's dead how did this happen because if, if I was to ask any of you before saying the Joker's dead what's the story yeah you can be like Batman Constantine are on the bed the coffin there is none you're about to say run about Belfast for that would be a better book Batman and, Batman and Joker are Bat- to limelight tonight it's <laughs> it is worrying when a book doesn't seem to have any direction and it's, it's two thirds away through it's one issue off and we still kind of don't have yeah. a narrative like we've talked about this a few times at Doomsday Clock it's playing the long game yeah. but it's got time to breathe with 12 yeah. issues this is three issues and you still don't have a concrete idea of where, where so it's going or what like it's about the next issue it feels like the next issue needs to be like double sized Double size, prestige, square, stupid, shit. So I feel like a, the, like this issue, I got a wee bit more traction on it. Yeah, a wee bit more traction on the story. But it seemed like I too loved, long. Uh, I loved that scene at the start with uh, Constantine on the rooftop and Batman on the rooftop, uh, and they're talking about 
sort of the the body being dragged from the river and yeah. uh, Joker being alive. Uh, but the uh, imagery with the gargoyles. The as imagery well is fantastic. It's classic right. Batman and and uh, Constantine smoking and and every and every panel. <laughs> Not about the smoking and every panel. And I I tried to get my money out of this and actually went back and read it and just looked at the smoke in case there was like shapes of ghosts and something. Smoke. Well, yeah, I mean, even, I was I mean, trying I mean, to just get something. I mean, I think it's, it's the. Uh, the Joker smile and the bats in the signal. Yeah, the uh, just the the art is fantastic. Yes. Is that Brian Azzarello, isn't it? Ah, uh, Brian Azzarello's a writer, Lee Bermeo for oh, yeah. art. Sorry, you're right. Sorry, my mistake. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. I still love the way that uh, Batman's depicted in a in a sort of armor that yeah. that kind of could just be it could be Kevlar. real. It could be Kevlar. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. looks heavy. It looks stitched. You know, he's got boots on over it. You know, and that. But. Uh, this scene and every panel Batman you know disappears and gets a wee bit closer to Constantine and uh, they're talking and at one stage Constantine goes uh, get a bit close there aren't you (laughs) and uh, one more step forward and you know and Batman's obviously been accused or not accused suspected of the the murder in the previous so Constantine's are uh, are you going for two yeah you know Uh, and then uh, you know Batman takes Constantine cigarette, which is something that is stereotypical. Like something, Constantine. something only the CW's ever done before. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Take, takes it from him and flicks him into the river. But I also enjoyed the scenes that were Bruce casting his mind back to his yeah. childhood. You know, so I agree with you. I think there, I, there yeah. you go again. That I actually forgot about this. Throwing into the don't know where it's going. Enchantress is in this book too, and yeah. it seems like she's a villain. But there's been one. There have been five or six pages that sort of introduced Enchantress. Mm-hmm. It's it. It seems like it's just firing certain mythical elements of the DC. Throwing a lot of stuff at the, the wall, seeing what sticks. Yeah, maybe, almost maybe. But it looks gorgeous doing it. Like it yeah, really yeah. There's it looks great doing it. It. beautiful yeah. splash pages all around. Um, especially one where it's an Etrigan's club, isn't it? Yeah. Where there's about twenty guns just pointed at Batman, yeah. stand there, but he's. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting with that Etrigan thing, as you're saying, I'm not sure that Etrigan isn't a demon. You see, I just don't know. Don't you know, just don't know yeah. that you're seeing it, and and if he is, I think the whole concept of of uh, Edrican being a rapper, yeah, because he's a rhyming demon. That that's class. That was that yeah. was great. I yeah. I loved like how they done that, but it just seemed like Edrican was thrown in for no reason. Because Constantine's like, oh yeah, this guy will know what's going on. Yeah, but then Batman goes questions him, doesn't get any answers. Then the building goes up in fire. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna do. Uh, I read issue two and I enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, I'm gonna go back and read issue one mm-hmm. and issue two. Um, I feel like I'm just going to reread them all when three drops at some stage whenever it's three I drops mean, I mean maybe that too maybe that too I feel like I'll read better but mm, Mate, but then much. Doomsday Clock's going to read better in trade as well yeah you know it's going to be a lot more contiguous it's going to make more sense rather than being you know separate issues that are in separate stories that seem to be moving in some sort of general mm-hmm. watchman like direction yeah but well, I think that's a flaw though like that's almost being apologetic that book should read Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. Well, that's it. Why not just release it as a you know original graphic novel? Yeah, you know, and put it all together. Yeah, I think like it, I think, it, I think that, like that. that deserves to be an original graphic novel. Not that shouldn't have been yeah. released as three parts. Like I talked, yeah. I talked very passionately before about Batman: The Dark Prince Charming. Yes, and it was yeah, released as an original graphic novel. Some stories suit that format, so don't release them as single issues. Because it it's really weird with Batman Damned because I think DC could have made so much more money off this with second prints and pushing yeah, it but it's it's, yeah. it's weird it's almost like they want to just put it under the carpet and the second second well, see, versions stalled a bit because there wasn't there one like three weeks 
like maybe a couple of weeks later who's just sitting on like your shelf yeah still there well, well that's it there's still, there's still like, a couple of copies there consider the first one oh the first you one couldn't, you couldn't keep it on the shelf yeah but that's the thing no that's, one's gonna buy number two if they don't have number yeah. one mm-hmm. you know and that's where the second print comes in because you know, but again the the, the the sales of that number one came from the controversy yeah you know what I mean yeah um, whereas it should have come from like Bermeo's art yeah. Or like oh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely, but absolutely. But then it's the. I think we've already yeah, talked we've talked ad nauseum yeah. about yeah, it. Yeah, but we've yeah. discussed it. We've discussed it. Yeah. So yeah, that was probably the biggest release of uh, December anyway. I think, and that's why we wanted to, you know, throw a little bit of a discussion in there. Um, Sales-wise, overall, sales it was wise, the biggest release of December. Uh, it seemed to be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's still selling well, but they could have sold so much more. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I still don't understand the idea of no second print. To give you an idea, Venom, Donny Kids Venom, very well respected series, a lot of fans, number one's on its fifth print. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I tell you, I think that when we've talked about this, we've alluded to this before, is the fact that I think there's something going on within DC yeah. where there's. Pulling in there, a few different directions. Yeah, and there's a lot of studio, well, not studio interference, yeah. but there's a lot of uh, publisher interference, yeah. you know, and I think we're seeing it in this. I think. We're potentially seeing it in Doomsday Clock. I think we're seeing it definitely in Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And it's just mm-hmm. not it's just not got a good smell about it. Yeah. See, you know, with with even Batman Down and obviously with the other ones you mentioned, aren't it seems like they're trying to get rid of Black Label already. Mm-hmm. They've already cancelled the Black Label. Like surely they've tried to they've <clears> tried to amalgamate all their it, graphic novels into it. Like you, they've done that, but it seems it's like really it's one weird. of those things where they've they've announced it. They announced all these titles, which we've only got one of them so far. So yeah. and amalgamated all these other titles that were already a thing and already selling well into it. And then they've cancelled um other history of the DC. Um, yeah, other history of the DC universe. History of the DC mm-hmm. universe. We're waiting on concrete release dates for any word on any other Superman Year One there was a Kelly Pseudoconic Wonder Woman title that was announced there was and I mean you know Aquaman uh, Kelly Pseudoconic just took over Uh, herself and Matt Fraction have just uh, signed a deal with Legendary or something oh yeah Uh, and you know so as a result of that I don't see her being in that Aquaman book for him a little longer than a few weeks you know what I mean so again change of plan yeah you know what I mean something's going on which is a shame because that Aquaman Solid start. Uh, it was it was jarring, but it was well, uh, absolutely anyway. Yeah. So yeah. So I'll move away from Batman Damned anyway. Move away from that and on to a number one that I think we were all looking forward to. Uh, this time, Marvel. Uh, this is one that Kieran really wanted to push, given your yeah. level of enjoyment of it. Yeah. Um. So one I picked here uh, is Winter Soldier number one. Um. It's a new Winter Soldier mini series. Five yeah. issues. Yeah. Five issues. I thought it was six. No, it's gonna be five. That's yeah. one less than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Kyle Higgins and Rod Reed. No, these things are subject to change at all times. Yeah, you know, this could turn out to be nineteen issues. Who knows? <laughs> they could, they could do what, uh, what Image are famous for doing, and that's you know, we'll call it six one. issues, and then yeah, one for see how it sells. Yeah, it's um, this is a it's 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 solely based on Winter Soldier, but I have a feeling we're going to be getting sort of other characters along the way like Peggy Carter we've seen Tony Stark in the first issue Alan. yeah unfortunately um, <laughs> one, of, one of the few reasons I didn't massively enjoy this issue but um, this is one of the books that came up in previews and I added it to my playlist because of going through the, the previous yeah. podcast and it was sort of it's it was pitched as Winter Soldier sort of helping helping people out it's going to be like a sort of espionage thriller 
sort of trying to help people get out of Hydra and trying to take down Hydra. Mm-hmm. Similar to what other books are doing at the minute is sort of flack from... Yeah, they're all Hydra still dealing with a fallout from Secret Empire. Secret Empire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this, um, it's sort of this this one issue. It, it kind of works like a one shot to to a point. Then yeah, maybe the last two or three pages. Yeah. It's sort of it's an establishing book. It it's basically yeah, there's a there's a cop in New York City who's now been drafted into work for Hydra. So they're the first the first couple of pages. It's set up. Um, it's basically they're they're doing a drugs bust. That they're that the cops themselves are instigating their putting weapons. There's corruption. Yeah, like, there's yeah. it's basically it's a corruption tale, but it's it's Hydra. It's there's a. It doesn't a, need to be Hydra as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, whenever right. I was reading, it, I was like, okay, these these yeah. cops are corrupt, and then Bucky comes up and is like, oh yeah, Hydra. Yeah. I'm like, well, you, do you need Hydra? But it it, it works within it's, the it's, MCU. It's the joint and tissue yeah. to the MCU. It, it but, makes yeah. it all. Um, Kyle Higgins uh, was Batman for DC and Nightwing uh, for a long time. He, yeah, well. absolutely. And Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for Boom. I yeah. Think. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and uh, Rod Reyes. I think he did. Uh, it was a Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider, Blade type supernatural miniseries mm-hmm. from Marvel recently called Damnation. Yeah. They, uh, uh, both Rod did Reyes a great. Was, both of them, they're a team. They did a great image series called Coil, which is. Ah. Um, uh, I can't remember. It's like a legion of superheroes type thing. It's a very, very good series. Um, so they, I think they've came onto this as a team. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. I, I read it earlier and I really liked it without really knowing much about it. Yeah. I love love the art. I don't know if Rod, I, I don't so, know if Rod yeah. Reese does the coloring as well, but I'm not too sure who that is. But it's gorgeous. And there's there's a double page splash uh, page as well. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think he might. Yeah, he's in colors as well. But there was a yeah. there's a double page kind of splash that kind of was Winter Soldier going through his memories yes. uh, there's yeah. a Russian yeah. doctor yeah and it yeah. almost reminded me a wee bit of uh, Dave McKean it's so just like crazy and out there um, yeah, but yeah. I, lo- I, I really loved it and it's just I think there's I mean it's not something you, you often uh, look at but the, the lettering's fantastic as well yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, they, uh, so the the way they've done the sound effects uh, in the comic, the 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 whole uh, yeah, stars so, around him know, after Bucky being punched as a guy, <laughs> and you just see it's very old school. Yeah, you just see in, in white letters, whoa, and stars. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and whack, you know, with an exclamation mark, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I I mean, I love I love the Winter Soldier. The Winter yeah. Soldier is one of my my favorite characters in Marvel, and uh, I've talked before about how Ed Brubaker brought him back. Uh, the Winter Soldier being. Bucky Barnes, who was Captain America's nineteen, you know, wartime, wartime uh, sidekick. Mm-hmm. He was always a wee bit of a joke, uh, and then uh, he was he was killed at the end of World War Two. Apparently, whenever uh, uh, Barnes Zemo launched the V two rocket, and Bucky jumped up onto it to try and disable it, and then the rocket exploded, and apparently that was the end of Bucky for years and years and years yeah. and years and years, uh, and then Brubaker uh, controversially brought him back because as I think we said before you don't bring back Bucky you don't bring back Uncle Ben oh there's Bucky and you did it well <laughs> which just goes yeah. to show you can do whatever you want to do as long as you do it with a good story so Uncle, mm-hmm. Uncle Ben the, the summer mercenary <laughs> <laughs> but um, Bucky's been through a whole lot of different um, personas uh, yeah. obviously at the start he was the Winter Soldier and then you know there was a period where he was he was readjusting being the man out of time again like Cap had been but with a slightly darker age then he became Cap I think he actually mentioned in Winter Soldier at one stage I think Tony mentions something about how anybody can be Captain America yeah, at this stage exactly and, uh, 
and then you know there was a time he replaced Nick Fury as the man on the wall yeah. uh, negotiating for Earth and defending Earth against extraterrestrial threats and then uh, just you know he's, so this is him but he's always about redemption yeah. he's always about trying to make up for the things that he did as the Winter Soldier and memory yeah. is very much a massive part of, of who Winter Soldier has always been because he doesn't have his you know he's, his memories had to be brought back and he's still dealing with them you know yeah. the uh, uh, it's sort of him remembering certain hits and stuff he's done he's nigh questioning maybe he's, he remembers it all or maybe he's forgetting yeah. some bit still nigh or to me a, it, oh, sorry go ahead no I was going to say to me um, it almost seemed because I've been reading Hulk as well it seemed like a reverse of the Hulk where Hulk yeah. is like embracing his darkness yeah and Winter Soldier is just trying to escape it yeah. Escape it exactly. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's some great. The first the first part of the story takes place in New York in a thunderstorm, and as uh, Kieran rightfully said, crop Chicago, tops. Illinois. Is it Chicago. You're That's right. A big massive right. I big, big red right. York. I just, you know, well, I, I just I assume you. it's all but, the same. It's all the same. But it's you know you'll have it's just great. You see the, the, the this Arthur Hayes is this cop, and he's associated with these hydro corrupted cops, and clearly he's in too deep, you know, and. Uh, you you see the, the buildings in the background and the of the the lightning, yeah. And then you see Bucky standing very very small silhouetted in the roof. And then there's another we 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 change to the corridor. You know, our view shifts to the corridor and the window uh, as they as Arthur Hayes opens the door to do whatever horrible task he's about to have to do. There's another crash of lightning, and then Bucky appears and uh, <laughs> you know and. Uh, in the shadows it's just that's really good and uh, some great fight scenes yeah um as you say he's he's, he's got this mission you know and uh, to get people out and he's uh yeah really? tony stark sharon carter um you know with some great uh, some great art some great stuff i like the really like the premise uh, i wonder how long it can last um yeah yeah it's uh you know and then of course he goes back to he gets a call from a guy who he's previously yeah got out of an, a bad life in hydra you know and this dude yeah but i called my girlfriend that's what amy says too and you're like what yeah what? he's like Bucky's oh maybe like, you should uh -oh. look at um, you know? therapy and he's like yeah yeah my ex-girlfriend's telling him tell him that and buggy's like hold on a minute wait what yeah, what did you do? and then it all just goes it all goes a bit pear-shaped and uh this kid appears this assassin child child assassin you know appears dressed in Bucky's old World War 2 yeah. red and blue colours you know and you know shoots him in the chest tells him, tells him he's a big fan so this um, <laughs> first appearance of a new villain or is uh, this villain going to be done and dusted before issue 5 yeah this is RJ teenage yeah. assassin extraordinaire uh, issue 2 this is fantastic as well really good book really come good back book. next month for issue 2 yeah <laughs> talk to it <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I I thought it was I'm not quite as enthusiastic about this. I thought it was all right, um, only because, and I think this might be part of the problem. I read the original Winter Soldier a few months ago, oh, yeah. and that was just top tier storytelling, and it was just I don't know, just I I think Winter Soldier is a more interesting character than being someone who you know relocates witnesses. You see, this is this is why I'm I'm liking it because you're seeing you're seeing this character evolve mm -hmm. you know what I mean every every time someone else takes this character they're respectful of what's happened before but they're yeah. they're moving him along you know what I mean he's never yeah. he's not a character because he's an, he's an old character you know mm -hmm. what I mean he's, he's been there since the start of the Marvel Universe you know but because he's, he's he was only reintroduced what mm -hmm. 10, 12, 15 years ago yeah. uh, be interested no you're seeing him evolve in real time he's not stuck in a rut that 
you know, eventually Spider-Man will always come back to the same status quo. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But Bucky doesn't have it. You know, Winter Soldier doesn't have a status quo. Yeah. His status yeah. quo was Cap's yeah. sidekick. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a great point. So yeah. there. So every time an author, a writer, takes him, they 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 move him along. Yeah, they, they change him with the moment within the realms of. You know what? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, so that's why. That's I'm, it. It's a character I really enjoy. I mean, I really I thought the Winter Soldier Hawkeye Tales of Suspense miniseries was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, nice there, yeah. Every time you see Winter Soldier now, it's in a it's in a miniseries, and yeah, he's, he's well in the miniseries. It doesn't seem like he's yeah. He, well, he, he's strong enough to hold it on. Well, there was. Day. I mean, there was ongoing. There was an ongoing. Was. But yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I mean that that Tales of Suspense Tales was of interesting suspense, yeah. because. You effectively saw the Winter Soldier through Hawkeye's eyes. Yeah, you know what I mean. And compared to Hawkeye, the Winter Soldier just looks like dark and brooding. You know what I mean. And, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's yeah. This is I'm really you're inside his head on this. You get yeah. his thoughts. You know. So it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, cool. So yeah, that was Winter Soldier number one, uh, which leads us on to one that we've already talked about a little bit uh, on our end of year show. Uh, I think we had it done as one of our best new number one series. Uh, best indie new best new indie series actually I don't know there were a lot of categories <laughs> a lot of drinking um, <laughs> very very but, but I do know we talked a lot about this and there's a, a reason for it uh, I can tell you right now that every single person sitting around this table has this on their pull list um, this is actually probably our second biggest pull for an indie title now already um, just people signed up for it they've believed the hype that I like to think we've generated a little bit but quality will always sell well and this is nothing if not quality uh, and this is die number one um not die 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 not die 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 not die 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 to better die, die minus two the thing about <laughs> it is you could have called it Dice. what would have been really fun is if they did it called it die but 20 times see <laughs> I, I noticed even with the cover it's great it's it's a d20 all folded up folded it's great yeah, yeah. it's a poly Poly- polyhedron <laughs> yes nice. um, this I think may be my favourite book of last year I think you know now we're now we're, now we're over and done with yeah. 2018 I mm-hmm. think uh, this might be it, it ha- it's just it, it appeals to me on so many levels um, you know the the Tolkien quote in the bag I'm not at all sure that the tendency to treat this whole thing as a kind of vast game is really good certainly not for me who finds that kind of thing only too fairly attractive which was from a letter he wrote rather than from any of his uh, books um, but yeah image book um, it all kicks off and we've all read this haven't we yep. Yep. it all kicks off in 1991 uh, the 16th birthday of uh, of Dominic and his best buddy Solomon uh, also known as Ash still haven't figured out why they call a guy called Dominic Ash um, and Saul uh, and uh they're, I think we've talked about this before. They're sixteen, so and it's set in England. Um, yeah. They're they're too young to go to the pub. That needs ID, and they're too old for uh, for kids' birthday parties. So Saul agrees he's going to run a game. They're they're kind of alternative subculture kind of kids. You know, they're role players. Um, and uh, him and his Ash and his, his sister arrive, and they, they start this game. We meet the we meet the six the six main players. Um, the six main main characters in the book um, we're immediately introduced to the characters that they're going to play as they gen their characters and Saul hands them dice and uh, and then something goes goes wrong and two hours later Saul's mum and this is why it appeals to me because whenever we were that age 
myself and my buddies you know we spent a lot of time at the weekends up in our attic yeah uh, my mum and dad's house uh role playing playing dungeons and dragons um my mum usually at some point would go do you guys want tea or coffee you know <laughs> just checking in yeah, yeah, so, so there well, would ours be. was usually 11 o'clock and it's like we're going to bed it always we're going to bed does does anyone need a taxi home <laughs> but uh but yeah so she the, the mother saw's mother delivers them their refreshments uh only to find that they are gone they have disappeared uh the story picks up very briefly two years later whenever the uh the group uh now numbering five and one of them short an arm appear so, appear so five, four and like three quarters <laughs> appear on a road uh they're uh they're almost run down and uh the, the lady who runs them down recognise them as the Stafford Six who disappeared two years ago um, and uh, whenever she asks where they're at uh, Ash Dominic says I, I can't say mm-hmm. you know and then we time jump again to 25 years later so if they were 16 in I guess 41 now yeah. they were 16 mm-hmm. in 1991 yeah. so uh, to a 41 42 year old uh, Dominic on his birthday um, you know, we meet his wife. He's clearly not a happy individual. Um, Saul's mother calls at the door. Uh, it's been twenty five years. But did they age two years when they were stuck in the game? Uh, that this is, is what we'll find out because it because ju- obviously jumps two years later. Yeah, there's yeah. no discernible way of showing they're any no, older. No, no, I don't. So it'll be interesting so. to see if they address that. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, obviously, this woman hasn't seen her son because mm-hmm. he was one of the there were six left, six yeah. disappeared, five returned. Uh, Saul was the missing individual. Uh, the mother hasn't seen her, and 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 all that Dominic and the other group will say was they can't they can't say they can't talk about it. Uh, they've never spoken about it in twenty five years, which I found the twist for that was fucking That's great, amazing. So, uh, you know, the only person really that uh, that Dominic still sees is his sister Angela, who he yeah. brought to the game that night. The girl who had lost her arm, the cyberpunk, uh, the cyberpunk. <laughs> yes, the character she played. Uh, they're at the pub. A package is delivered. It's a blood-covered D20, mm. 20-sided dice. Uh, and then they get the gang back together to discuss it, uh, something they haven't done in 25 years. Everybody's changed. Some have grown up. Some have you know, have, have matured. Some have yeah. stayed the same but gotten older. Um, this you know, part of me felt like a Stephen King book. It was really in, it, it, for example. Which it, is it felt to, like yeah, it. Because yeah, it, uh-huh. it was like sort of some of them, them stuck kids, them with adults. what's happened. Yeah. Other ones have sort of moved on yeah. and profited off it. And, and the other ones are just completely that, That's bound to be an influence as well it because like it, it is every 27 years. Yep. Yes, 25 years later plus two years. Yeah, there 27 you go. Years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, should, uh, we should, have, uh, should have a wee, wee tweet to Kieran Gillen and find out. So, I mean, it's clear that everyone... In his white writer's group. It's clear that everyone is traumatised in some way or other. Yeah. You know, they haven't... Dealt with it in different ways. Yeah, and they haven't spoken to one another about it. They haven't had any sort of... They can't talk about it, so there's no therapy involved, you know, but... Yeah, they've they've moved on, you know, and they're... You know, it's awkward. They're adults now, and they haven't related to each other since they were kids and since this experience they had, but... You know, whenever they're together and uh, and and Dominic reveals this D twenty, then something a little bit strange happens. Um, and they are called uh, once more uh, to this realm that uh, apparently it's inferred that they spent time these two years in this uh, this realm. Once more, the Grand Master threatens the realm. The land calls out for a hero. 
is it you and that's class because that cast my mind back to uh, fighting fantasy game books you know the choose your own adventure oh, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. the land you know the such and such this hero could be you are you that hero mm-hmm. you know what I mean all you need is two dice a pencil and an eraser <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's exactly what that's saying to me you know and uh, I'd be really interested to see people like Ian Livingstone and Steve Jackson who wrote those sorts oh, of books wow. yeah, comment yeah. on this they're struggling to get Ian Livingstone's name you know yeah. so uh, but yeah so they end up in this world uh, they they're different they are the characters that they chose to play <coughs> that 27 yeah. years ago um, you know uh, and it becomes clear you know in this this broken world that they've arrived in it nearly looks part fantastic part post-apocalyptic yeah um, the um the world itself the world itself is a dice d20 it's a dice shape yeah uh-huh it's uh and it's just lovely the art all the way through roddy said whenever he read this that any page could be framed uh, and i totally agree yeah. um but it becomes clear that that dominic or ash who the character that he created was female so he's a female uh, seems to be a wizard in this place mm. And the first thing they say is you did this dominic you can fix it we still can't talk about it but you can fix it and it seems that Dominic recants a spell that that this allowed them to talk about yeah. their experience up, up until that point I thought it was just a case where it they sort of triggered them a bit so uh, they didn't want to talk about it so uh, so yeah and it's just it's fantastic it's just the the way it yeah. goes is just great I haven't read issue 2 yet no. uh, yeah this is where I have to be um, careful what we talk yeah. about because I'm the only one at the table that has just yeah. going back on the whole ice thing why they call him ice I was thinking it was the her could be the hair white hair from yeah. the start of the book. might just be a big evil dead fan but they call him I mean they call him Ash from the very from from even 27 years ago yeah, he has white hair in, in, the, in the start of it right uh, so I was that's could be that. just the assumption I took on yeah. it um, yeah fantastic book um, the art is amazing the, I'm just waiting to see what shape it's going to take the world building is going to be fantastic yeah. they're releasing a role playing game based on this book Already, uh, already, yeah. I, I still curious. say the same thing in that though. Given what happens to the people who would play the game, play it? would you want to play it? Would you want to play it? Like if you bought a Jumanji, would you want to play it? Yeah, you know, no, someone, you'd play that. someone said that this is Jumanji with cojones. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, you know, for me, Goth Jumanji. For me, it's uh, it's like the the old the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, but as I said, evolved and updated. Yeah, uh, you know, but it is stellar. They are the writing. Uh, everything I can't, couldn't agree more I remember the last podcast was it you gave it to me mm-hmm. and then I was like obviously it was quite late getting home the first of my own copies that I gave away yeah well sold <laughs> <laughs> I'm now on my fourth copy because we keep talking about it but, people um, want to read it yeah so I went home and I was like I should probably go to bed but there it was just sitting there and I was like, I'm gonna have to. It's read a late that. night book, I think. It, de- oh, it definitely it is. is. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. is. Just you know, the house yeah, is silent. Yeah, you've got your one light on, just your shining on your phone's comic. not gonna be. Yeah, it's just it, it's definitely a late night book. Absolutely gorgeous. Whereas Stephanie Hans's art is incredible, but I kind of want to compare it to Batman Damned because mm-hmm. the art is stunning in Batman Damned. But I I think like comics, it's like a marriage. It's like it's got one story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I think you could take panels out of Batman Dan and go, "Oh, that's great to look at." But I mm-hmm. don't know. For me, with like Azarello's writing, it didn't really give it much meaning. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, like, every single panel, everything has a 
story it continues on yeah what stephanie hans does helps to tell the story too it's a true collaboration yeah i would i would say so and i was just the mystery of it all yeah the characters as well and the setting the 90s as well everyone's obsessed with the 80s you know but it was nice to see like a wee 1990s book that seems to be the, the, the running thing now that slowly the 90s are becoming vintage yeah. and not the 80s. <laughs> <sighs> I hate when you say it in the 90s uh, are vintage. Yeah. <laughs> and it, actually, you know, VHS, I meant to say that uh, at the end there's some uh, there's there's some back matter. Yeah. Um, with, uh, this is a running from, theme as well because there's a lot yeah. of issue too as well. And uh, he talks about how San Diego Comic Con um he forgets who mentions, and I, I, I hadn't read this whenever I came to that uh, metaphor or that that allegory. But he goes, I forgot who mentions the nineteen eighties Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. We start riffing; it's a fascinating thing, culturally speaking. A group of kids go on a Dungeons and Dragons themed ride and get transported into a fantasy world. I wonder whatever happened to them. <laughs> so the, the, that evening we're having dinner. I'm distracted. The idea of whatever happened to the D and D cartoon kids is still nagging at me. That's. Uh, that's awesome yeah cool uh, so it was just that that's how ideas happen yeah for comics that's yeah. it so yeah. yeah well that's exactly how it hit me that's exactly how it hit me um, very very cool very cool well again just chatting about how Batman Dan should have sold more copies if they'd have done a second print Dice went back to second print which for an indie comic doesn't always happen no Although another one we've talked about in this podcast, Middle West, is now about to enter its third print. Really? For number one. So again, it's... Like, indie comics are becoming more and more popular. We've, we've joked before that you can't call it the big two anymore. It's essentially the big three. Because image, especially in graphic novel sales, are almost the equal of the, of the big two. Mm-hmm. The big two still do far better single issue-wise, yeah. but, but the gap is closing, you know? Um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Die. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, it's a perfect marriage of writing and art two artists completely in sync and I, I believe I read an interview with Stephanie Hans and she doesn't usually do sequential art she does covers, cover covers that's yeah. the first thing she's and ever done she said yeah, sequential the story spoke to me that much I had to draw this book mm-hmm. yeah and you can want, see why he wanted um, to do a cover first yeah. of all wasn't it yeah have they announced how long this run's going to be or is this an ongoing all I know is he's got lots of ideas it wouldn't surprise me if it's the traditional image model six Cicles. issues trade paperback and then it'll be volumes but you yeah. know uh, Keith's what? got the nail on the head. It's 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 one of the the higher titles of last year. Mm-hmm. I read it last week. Yeah, I, I read it late last week, and straight away I was like, "This is good." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should have read this sooner. That was uh, and it was funny actually. I've told you that uh, that my girlfriend doesn't not really a comic reader. She she doesn't like superhero stuff. You know, I've got her. She's really interested in Deadly Class. Thanks to your good self, um, uh, she's been reading The Walking Dead. But both of them, she sort of. Yeah, stopped and started on but this mm-hmm. she picked up you know and uh, she's like what's that and we went through it and uh, and uh, she really enjoyed it she really enjoyed it she was nearly yeah. giving me a commentary all the way through and I was like just read that thing once you will talk about it afterwards <laughs> you know so. so and I could see her going through there's a page you know the first three pages they introduced six characters and you're kind of going right who are the six characters I felt myself yeah. doing that but as well I did that a couple of times so, yeah so exactly that is one of the most stunning yeah double pages I've ever yeah, seen yeah it's fantastic and you just kind of you're able to look at this double page spread and, and go oh yeah okay so that's Solomon okay so that's yeah. Ash and that's his sister yeah. Angela 
and that's and Solomon's when, girlfriend when their characters got introduced as well later on I was doing that I was fucking front yeah. back it was like okay that's that like, but that's that's, that. that's more through interest and confusion yeah. sometimes yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. that characters aren't really well defined so you flick back because that's the only way you're gonna know what's uh, what's happening whereas in this I find it's just pure interest you're like yeah, yeah. I want to know every and I detail. Think, I think we're gonna, you know, it was nice to get the names of those characters. So we know, uh, we know Dominic, we know Angela, we know Solomon, uh, Solomon we know Matthew, we know uh, the French girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's her name. Yeah, that's her name. As as well, yeah, and the dude who thinks he's American. But um, do you know the best part about that? It gave you the characters, but it also gave you their characters that their they were going to play. The and the, yeah, exactly. And it told you all you needed to know about them. And you know, and again, you see, that's uh, that's like the start of the D and D cartoon. Uh, you know, because uh, the D and D the 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 credits, you know, the opening credits. Yeah, it's being, a character. Yeah, it's an introduction. Yeah. You know, and there's Hank the Ranger, and you know, yeah. Bobby the Barbarian, and so that's exactly <laughs> what they do. You know, nice, you're the dictator. I'm not sure what the significance of him giving them the different yeah, types of dice are. I was struggling, man, and then I just sort of cut, cut yeah. it off of a workout at you some know, stage. And then at the end, it seems that. Or you having, might find out as you go. Yeah. You know, at the end, it, it seems that having more <laughs> than one dice is gives you power. So, like the Infinity Stones. <gasps> you, mean, you mean the Infinity Gems, yeah? Aye, then, yeah. Right. yeah. It says a comic podcast, not a movie podcast. So. <laughs> the three name uh, of the comics as well. So if you haven't if you haven't read Day, uh, as I, I say, have... back to a second print. Um, get on this, yeah. guys. It's um, it's fantastic. Well, on the on the record, can I get two of the second prints? <laughs> it, it's just for people that I played D&D with. And oh I know right, yeah, they cool. will get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can organize that. Won't be a problem. Um, I've given up enough of my first prints at this point, so. I know that. I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> Two people at this table have it. Uh, originally mine, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so that was die number one. Uh, again, obviously, we couldn't speak highly enough of it. Um, so, of course, uh, saying all that about how great indie comics are and, you know, how they're growing in importance in the industry. So, of course, the next title is going to be a DC title. <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously, in fact, looking at our list, um, the rest are DC and Marvel titles, but well. Um, there will be plenty of honourable mentions yeah. at the end yeah, as well. A massive good in the one. Yeah, the one in the. <laughs> yeah, the, well, this is true. I would almost argue, possibly the best issue out of I all. I was just going to say that was probably the best single issue out of all of them. I think the one we leave to last might challenge it though, for mm. feel, just for pure feels. But anyway, but I think yeah. it's just. I like, struggle to remember. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> we're just gonna go. We're not gonna pick like two, two, two from. Or like two Marvel, yeah. two DC like yeah. previews. We're just gonna go. It'll these be, are our favorites. It'll be interesting to look over the whole year and see each month. You know, obviously, yeah. we're we're still chatting about these ones, but this is quite a DC heavy month. But we've yeah. already speculated next month could be a heavy indie month. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. it'll, it'll be interesting to see throughout the year. Listen, Roddy speculated it'd be a heavy Marvel month. You speculated it'd be a heavy. Indie month. <laughs> He's supposed yeah, to be Mr. It's Indy, don't we? <laughs> it's just going to be a heavy month for comics for me. Well, I, I am nothing if not honest, though. That's but. true. That's true. But yeah, the DC book I thought would be worth chatting about is probably the second biggest release, possibly, of last month. That's um, awesome. Batman Who Laughs. Now, this was a brand new number one. It's a six-issue miniseries. As I say, on the day of recording, which is a new comic book day, issue two just came out. Um, so this is a, a title that has spun out of the pages of Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, Metal was something I absolutely loved. Metal was something that absolutely confused the hell out of Keith. 
Metal is something I think that Kieran really enjoyed. And Metal is something I never read. Apart um, from one one <laughs> issue you gave me. Um, so we've got a little mix here. I've got the trades over there, Roddy. I'll end you them. Um, but Metal, to me, if nothing else, it introduced a fantastic new villain to the DC mythos in The Batman Who Laughs. The Batman Who Laughs is essentially Bruce Wayne's worst nightmare. It's his intelligence and drive and resources mixed with the insanity of the Joker. So from the dark multiverse that the Batman Who Laughs comes from, um, this was able to be made a reality and he's now bled into our reality. What I would say is before you read Batman Who Laughs, there is an, a great issue of Justice League number 13, I believe, where it was Lex Luthor versus the Joker because Lex Luthor has this plan involving the Batman Who Laughs. And the Joker says you can't control him. Do not let him out of his leash. And for the Joker to be saying that about a character, I think is quite telling. But um, yeah, you jump straight into Batman Who Laughs. It, it kicks off. It I should say that it reunites the the team of Scott Schneider and Jock, who worked together on a wonderful Batman title, one of my favorites called The Black Mirror. And it's just great to see these two working together again. Had the honor of meeting Jock uh, last year. An absolute gentleman, but at his base level, what a brilliant brilliant artist you know we've just obviously waxed yeah. lyrical about Stephanie Hans there I think Jock's the kind of guy that has his own very distinct style you could look at a page and go that's Jock yeah. you know it's, it's quite angular in places um, it's not always just heavily the kind of brush strokes as well yeah and, and very definitive colours as well he doesn't really do very detailed backgrounds I find he uses sort of the colour of the sky to set mood a yeah. lot um, even in interior scenes later on in the book there's a scene in uh, a morgue and it's all very plain colours mm. you know he lets his sort of characters do the talking with it but uh, yeah the issue kicks off uh, Batman is chasing after a couple of bad guys on the highway um, who are sort of transporting sort of moving homes almost um, Batman's chasing after him in a rather awesome looking tricycle yeah. <laughs> I just noticed it's a tricycle <laughs> I mean, normally it would be a bad pod esque type thing, but it's definitely a tricycle. But it is a tricycle. I I love seeing Schneider back riding just Batman. Yeah. Justice League. We've talked about it before. It's very uneven. It's very up and down. But see, when it comes to Batman, Schneider just gets it. Yes. Um. He the whole way through this chase sequence, he's talking to Alfred over the comms, and he's talking about what he's doing. Like Alfred will be saying, like, "Oh, you can't jump through that, sir. That's lined with lead." He'll be like. I've got cushioning, don't worry. You know, things like that. Um, and what he actually discovers when he catches up to these bad guys is they're transporting a dead body. And that dead body is Bruce Wayne. Um, which leads to one, a real... One, one of what, four is it in this title now? Uh, well, I mean... We've got Bruce Wayne of this universe, the Batman who laughs, Bad Punisher, the Knight, and the dead one. Just wait to get the issue too. Yeah. I'm saying... <laughs> so it, it jumps from there and do a really great scene and, and this is what I love about Schneider writing Batman he loves writing Batman the detective I know when he writes big titles like Metal those are big universe spanning ideas but if you go back to the new 52 run the best stories were yeah. smaller detective stories yeah. Court of Owls yeah. all set within yeah. Gotham like, um, Endgame just him and the Joker I had, uh, I had said this to you where it's basically as much as as much as we've all said at some stage Tom King's an amazing Batman writer mm-hmm. I said all the time Tom King is probably the best Batman writer to be honest sometimes it feels like Snyder is the Batman writer mm-hmm. like yes Tom King is a great Batman writer but Snyder is 
him like Snyder feels like it's it's one of those things where it's a triple A blockbuster movie when you're reading Snyder. Yeah. Whereas Tom King's very you're reading every word, you're digging into every word and sort of thinking about it. Yeah. Whereas Snyder you can sort of shut your brain off and read it and you're getting a great story but told still, you. It, yeah, it still feels like it's a smart blockbuster. Yeah, it's it's smart but, but he's definitely more of a blockbuster. Christopher Nolan. Uh, I, I don't yeah, think that's a bad comparison. Thing, yeah. I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. It's interesting, Keith and I chatted about this before we started recording and he said outright he thought Tom King's a better writer. Now he has said his experience of Snyder isn't as great as ours. Oh, really, but, I'm the exact opposite. Where yeah. I'm like Snyder Batman guy, haven't read much of Tom King's Batman. Mm-hmm. Haven't really read much of Tom King, bar Heroes in Crisis. Mm-hmm. But I'll need to change that. For me, I mean, for me, Snyder is metal, and metal was not great for me. Uh, just there was too much, too Grant Morrison, too much uh, out there. <laughs> Who is the Batman writer, by the way? too much out there <laughs> out there non-sequential doesn't quite make sense you know uh, so that but but you've mentioned Court of Isles which mm-hmm. I look forward to taking home with me um, I think that's going home with you tonight I think you need to jump on the Scott Snyder loving yeah um, Keith, Court of, I'll give you witches I'll bring witches in tomorrow to I mean, the shop and give it to you so I'll bring you an American vampire and it's yeah. and I'll, you can eat that aye that's based on Stephen King sort of stuff Stephen isn't it? King yeah. no Snyder. so American Vampire Hopefully. came about because Stephen King part wrote the first volume with Snyder because Snyder yeah. pitched it to Snyder King. won a short story competition that Stephen King wrote right, and yeah. said you've really got something here would you like to co-write a project and they came up with American Vampire so Stephen King wrote the first five issues with him or the first story arc after that it's all Snyder Um, but what I love about Snyder bringing it back to Court of Owls and Batman Who Laughs the scene that directly follows that big massive action scene is Bruce Wayne in disguise as a doctor in the morgue getting information he's a detective that's what I love about it this is why I don't think when Schneider writes Justice League, it's that successful. Batman's not really a detective in the Justice League. He's he's like a super superhero, whereas in when he writes just Batman, he's a guy in a suit with resources that's, who's well trained and a keen mind. That's kind of Batman every time you see him in the Justice League. Though I, I don't know who I was talking about this to, or maybe I was watching something. I genuinely can't remember. But it's it's kind of like it's two different versions of Batman yeah. in one universe. Like when he's when he joins the Justice League, he's Batman beats people up but then Batman goes on his own and he's a detective I mean, so it could be a case of it's two different Batman Batmans look we're already about to get three Jokers only two Batman no, no, I, mean, I think that's things. just a function that's just a function of a, a, story. Of a team book versus yeah. a, whenever you're writing a team book you only have the thing, the time to yeah. the screen time to emphasize the stereotypical yeah, character the core elements of a character it, just, it, it, does, it just feels like there's two there's two different versions of Batman in the one universe one that Interacts with Justice League and he's there and he yeah. sort of he, he whinges about the place and mops about the place and then there's there's a Steve, there's basically me and there's Steven <laughs> yeah me and Steven are Batman Bat- Batman's is <laughs> Batman's is we'll, we'll yeah. see you in the same place at the same um, time I think what's really interesting just when you're talking about the scene in the morgue uh, so after this mad action scene where he's driving his bat tricycle through uh, houses <laughs> to give it its official name houses that have been transported in a bag of trucks across Gotham then we go to the Gotham Morgan I think what's really interesting here is you've got the the, the dialogue is between uh, a disguised Bruce Wayne and uh, Alfred in his ear yeah uh, and he is having a look at uh, the body of Bruce Wayne that he's recovered and yeah. I think what's interesting is uh you know, 
Bruce says, are you, are you hearing me? Hey, Alfred. And he goes, I'm sorry, sir, but if, if, I, if I may, it's hard to be as clinical as you this time. Uh, Bruce says, the DNA matches mine, but it could be some trick. Some Alfred says, I know you, I raised you, and that is you on the table. Some older version of you, it's just two. And Bruce says, and this is interesting, look, it's unnerving for me too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just like hearing Batman real, you know. But it's still a case. One, yeah. <laughs> one thing I wanted to point out with Jock's art, though, um, I could be wrong, but I'm remembering um, Sherlock Holmes. There was one of the Sherlock Holmes books where he explains disguises, and it's like, add, add facial hair, change her hair drastically, and add a scar. It's exactly what he's done there. He's yeah. added a goatee. He's given himself a scar over his yeah, eye, um, and he's given himself bald head. He looks a bit like Brian Cranston. He does, yeah. There. He's yeah, yeah, bad, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But yeah, just I love all the stuff Bruce is working out here while doing all this. I mean, like this, but this Bruce Wayne's laying dead on a table, but he starts deconstructing his life based on just the evidence of the body, and he's like, "Look, this Bruce likely was in civil projects because he's looking at his fingernails. There's dirt under his fingernails." He was married, look at the indentation, he had a child because of a tattoo. He's mapping the scars that he has and the other yep. guy has. Or he's so he's saying that that is him. But one of the nicest moments is at the top uh, of, of one of the pages where he's, he says the lines around Bruce's eyes and Alfred says smile, smile lines. Yeah. You know, it's like he was happy. This one, he had built a life and he was happy, you know. You get you really get the impression that to some extent our Bruce is a wee bit jealous a little bit wistful about yeah. it yeah. yeah about almost what could have been he you know goes, he goes and, and his mouth laugh lines yes it seems whatever life he built he was and yeah. happy and sir, then, and then he's silent yeah, after I really that yeah. like to see that in Batman that he has that hope mm -hmm. because there's so many Batman titles that are just so dark and gloomy and it focuses like fair enough we get a bit of Batman psyche but it's always about the dark side of Batman yeah. not I about I the, like this little hint yeah. of light that he some like he carries within himself mm -hmm. that maybe there's a happy life mm -hmm. out there he but then he thinks he's going to get married this oh, no. but then they oh. say the opposite the opposite of that is true in Tom King's Batman where he had this hope you know yeah. that this yeah. hope for a normal life and, and it was dashed crushed. and now he's at the point where he's 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 beaten up Commissioner Gordon you know what I mean the only one of the good things in it, you yeah. know what I mean he's, the, and yeah you is, need to get on the Tom King's Batman this is clearly <laughs> this, is, this is clearly part of Bane's plan you know to, yeah to, to show him what he could have before he takes it all away. Uh, you know yeah, I mean? we uh, we jump from this wistful, you know, Bruce Wayne to a ridiculously violent Batman. Like he looks like he stepped out of his Zack Snyder movie. Um, Bat uh, Punisher. Yeah, essentially Bat Punisher. Yeah, at one point he actually sets a flamethrower to Mister Freeze, uh, which is interesting. This is in canon. Yes. Yep. So Freeze dead. Uh, I don't know I mean he's still talking when he's on fire so there's not to say he won't have scars down the line or Good point. Um, but they make sure not to kill him but yeah there's this so there's this darker version of Batman who we now know is called the Grim Knight and he's breaking through Arkham and he finds a cell with the Joker in it and uh, then the Batman who laughs turns up so the Bat the Grim Knight was you know essentially clearing the way for the Batman who laughs to get into the jail where he ridiculously violently puts a massive axe through the Joker's head um, you know and you go from that to Gordon and Batman talking on the roof and then you find out very quickly that they actually put a decoy in there mm -hmm. um, it's just really really clever writing um, are we sure this one, is canon? One, it's coming off metal so I'm assuming so I mean, it's, a, canon to me is a dodgy word in comics because 
is Tom King's Batman the same canon as the Batman that's in metal I would argue it's not yeah it happens at different points I know, I know that's the, the generic response of it happens at different points in the career or whatever but I don't think metal in any capacity has been mentioned in 62 issues of Batman yeah, I think I, metal yeah. is is in the future of what we're in with Tom King's run no role. I don't think so I don't think so. There was something I seen recently. It was a basically a timeline of where metal fits and where Doomsday nope, Clock fits. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's not because uh, Nightwing was shot in the head on Tom King's run. Uh, that impacted on the Nightwing book, but it also impacted on the Titans book. Titans is all about dealing with the stuff that came off the breaking of okay. the search war. So fair enough. So it's all the same. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I, the reason I say this is because obviously metal was all about. Yeah. jump between universes mm-hmm. and I don't see any indication in here that it is or is not um, the, this actually links back oh god you haven't read issue 2 um, <laughs> and we're not reviewing issue no we're not we will uh, we will <laughs> review it we will review it in store between us privately in the next week or so but we will probably record it next month but no it's interesting because there is a, a part in this book that links back to the new 52 run which is where oh, yeah. Uh, yeah where Batman says to Alfred lower the defences of the Batcave and then the Joker turns up so this all goes back to Death in the Family yep. where uh, Bruce had figured out that there was or not figured out he came back to the Batcave one day and found a playing card yeah. that he knew he did not leave there and he thought that the Joker had devised a way to get into the Batcave without him knowing but yeah this issue you know it goes from there and then he, he enlists the help of the Joker which I find is really interesting as well because the end of Metal is the Joker and Batman team up to defeat the yeah. Batman Who Laughs because it was the one thing that the Batman Who Laughs thought the real Batman would never consider is working with the Joker. But this issue actually ends with the Joker essentially shooting himself. But he, he shoots himself in a way that he thinks is going to lead to the ultimate um, defeat of the Batman Who Laughs because he actually says the only way you'll beat him is to become him. Yeah, so basically it goes back to the one shot for Metal as well, yeah. where the Batman killed Joker and the oh. toxin was released. Well, this is why this is why it feels a wee bit otherworldly to me, is because, I mean, obviously we could get into the, the whole thing about the three Jokers uh, and all of that stuff. So we've got one Joker here who's killed himself. We've got Batman who has now become the Batman who laughs as a I'm, result. I haven't read every yeah, issue, yeah. so it could be a case that even that's just a random person. Yeah, it could be. Much. It could be. It just feels a wee bit. Um, offbeat to me what two things um, and this may sound a wee bit different if obviously if you've read issue 2 Alan um, the Grim Knight so I have to sit here with a poker face is what you're yeah. telling me okay perfect for a podcast the Grim, <laughs> yeah nobody else can see it except me no they'll just hear you swearing the Grim Knight um, we're not going to find out sort of his backstory until his one in shot in terms of solicitations it's uh, between issue 3 and 4 okay because it seems like he's just going to be like a sort of henchman that doesn't speak until yeah. we get our, his one shot and we find out what the hell's going on there. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with the title, Batman Who Laughs. Not as in the book, but in in universe, mm-hmm. Batman Who Laughs. The film, The Man Who Laughs, uh, influenced the Joker. Yeah. But they're using sort of the Batman Who Laughs as a reference to the movie title. Mm-hmm. So did the movie exist in the universe with the Joker? The they do. Yeah, they never refer. They never refer to him. Jim. Jim refers to him on the rooftop whenever Batman and um, Batman and Bruce Wayne, or sorry, maybe Batman and message him. Um, so they're talking about sort of the Grim Knight. They talk about Batman the Grim Knight. Yeah. Um, we're flicking through the book. <laughs> um, 
Oh, maybe that. Maybe that's another somewhere. Yes, uh, Jim mentions the Batman who laughs. Right. It's in quotation marks, so it's this it's right. seems, Batman who laughs. Seems yeah. like, it seems like it's one of those sort of. I wonder. Meta, that, maybe I think that's, that's just the extremely self Yeah, self Does that uh, cast back to what Roddy said about uh, Bruce looking a wee bit like Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. who in Breaking Bad was the one who knocks? Yeah. <laughs> the Batman who knocks there we go he's going to start making meth next <laughs> yeah no, it was, it's, it's enjoyable no, I, I, I enjoyed I it really. there's a darkness about it that's quite interesting um, but it's nice that it has those little slivers of hope of Bruce looking a little wistful and yeah. I just think it's really clever right and I love it when um, it, it goes back to what we said about Di I think this is a perfect marriage of our artist and writer mm, I because think think right, I think Jock yeah. adds to the story through this there's a great use of shadows um, yeah, I'm just not just because Jock's a good friend of the store. Oh, not at all. I mean, not at all. I mean, he very nicely drew that lovely picture of Batman drinking coffee, just uh, which is still my prized possession in the store. Just say. give Snyder Batman again after Tom King's done. Give back, to yeah. Snyder. But we worked this out the other day. Tom King's not going to be done with Batman for three and a half years. Give Snyder Batman that, <laughs> but let him do mini series like this. Yeah, sure. No, apparently, he's sure Snyder and Capullo announced the title. God knows it'll ever happen through Black Label the called last Batman night. last night and he actually is on record saying that was going to be his last Batman yeah. story it's it's just so good having Snyder writing Batman again that's wholeheartedly agree Batman, I think. and I can't believe we've talked the whole book and not even talked about the best joke in the book <laughs> actually yeah so there's a joke going through where Alfred's talking to Batman about like the property damage and stuff like that he says he's surprised that the city doesn't have an insurance policy for Batman related <laughs> events yeah, very good and then Bruce ends up or Batman ends up saying to him they do you should look into it Alfred they're called Dark Knight Returns <laughs> it's just fantastic absolutely fantastic I've so, seen people complain about that online oh go fuck yourself that, that is pure <laughs> it was, it joyful was, it was the same place I'd read the whole Batman who laughs man who laughs thing like people were like oh it's really meta because uh, they clearly don't know that Dark, Dark Knight Returns doesn't exist in that universe see at the, see at the bottom line a comic book is about having fun yeah. and escapism and that line was brilliant it was fantastic I thought it was great well, yeah, it was great it was fantastic um, so yeah so we'll uh, we'll say that uh, is everything we have to say on Batman Who Laughs number one uh, which means we're going to go on to Kieran with the next one uh, I, I do see a theory emerging here I have to admit you know I've just noticed that uh Five out of the titles we chose are, are all number ones. Number ones, I noticed this straight away. Mm. Yeah, so I, I just the noticed three, the three yeah. books that I mentioned were number. Ones. I was too busy looking at the fact that there was three Batman titles amongst yeah. them. But uh, well, yeah, it's, it's it's January. That'll change it up. New yeah. year, new, yeah. new issue. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> new year, new number one. Uh, that's fair enough. Um, just like this new number one podcast, uh, <laughs> Legacy Number Thirty Five. <laughs> But uh, no, the next title uh, I'll let Kieran take yeah, point so on. The next title, um, big one for me. I think this was probably the one that I'm. I was looking forward to, maybe not the least, but it was the less least amount of time. Um, is Shazam number one? Not being a Shazam fan or knowing anything about Shazam, as Alan's now pointing at his T-shirt. It's a Shazam T-shirt. Today. <laughs> I like it. Um, but I, I don't know anything about Shazam I, I know he exists I know he was Captain Marvel first stages but I wasn't really looking forward to this until I seen the um, the first promo picture the promo picture of which the was classroom. the cover of him in the classroom and it sort of dawned on me I can get on with this Yeah, this seems like it just can just be loads of fun well it's interesting that we're following up um, a dark serious title like Batman Laughs with yeah 
book that anybody could pick up but it's it's also Jeff Johns writing it which I keep hearing great things about Jeff Johns' new 52 Shazam run mm-hmm. so I was like and now with the film coming out I kind of want to get on board with it now yeah. just to sort of lead in with the film a little bit of back material the, um, yeah. the first the first issue it came out early December was it? Uh, yeah middle of December yeah there there but we're still waiting on issue 2 <laughs> Um, which really? I hope's not, yeah. Oh, which is never uh, a good sign. You see publications. Here we go. But um, no, we promised we wouldn't talk about that, didn't we? <laughs> but it, um, it's basically it's it's a really lighthearted like it's really lighthearted book. It's it, it reminded seems, me of a golden age comic. Yeah, it, you know? it is. But it's I don't know if it's me going back to canon <laughs> um, because I know coming off of the the new fifty two was basically the first. The start of all their careers, mm-hmm. and there's the sort of re they went back on that with rebirth. Yeah, but this seems like the start of Shazam's career again. Yeah, but is it in main canon or? Yeah, I think we're going to need to you know get into it more. I mean, they obviously they what I thought was interesting about this issue was they introduce a lot of characters. Yeah, I mean the whole Shazam's family. Yeah, the, the whole families, families there. I mean, there was what five, six sort of different yeah. Shazams and the Marvel family. Yeah, I think, I think that. What's always going to appeal to people, I think, about Shazam is you know when we were kids, we all dreamed about being a superhero. Yeah, it's it goes to the why Harry Potter was so popular and why things like it's basically the kids see a kid Spider Man as well. Yeah, even though his name's Man. Um, kids see a kid in a position of <laughs> power. See, it's better, man. But he's not really? so badly. Yeah, he's just broken like sixty years. He's of... sixteen when it starts. But he's Spider Man. Well, Spider Tween doesn't have the same sort of. <laughs> yeah. Before he becomes Spider Man, did he lose his virginity? Then he's not a man. Boom. It <laughs> 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 all got a bit serious there. Yeah. That's true. I think we're all just looking at Alan going, What? What are you talking about? Cut that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's. Sorry, it's, we'll get that in post. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of. it's it's a kid, it's a point where kids see another kid in a position where they want to be in. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Spider Man, with sort of the less trauma. But it's one of those things where like a kid sees Harry Potter, a kid sees Spider Man, a kid sees possibly Shazam coming out whenever, and they'll go, oh, "I'm the same age." Yeah, as that, that could be me. That could be me. Yeah. And <laughs> no kid sees Harry Potter and goes, "I want to go to boarding school." I want to board go to boarding school. <laughs> no, but like, see a kid with magic. But it's it's at a face value, it's a kid looking at another kid going, "That could be me because I am that kid." It's yeah, like, it's, yeah. Because when you're a kid, a lot of the most interesting characters you like, if you watch movies or read books or whatever, they're all adults. Yeah. But you're like, oh, someone the same age as me can achieve like, it's not even heroic it's, feats. It's, it's not. It's not even age. It's about seeing. It's about seeing someone who you can relate, relate to, to yeah. on screen, which is why, for example, Black Panther was. Was, was such a, a breakthrough movie or why Spider-Verse uh, you know is such a way Miles yeah. Morales became such a, a huge character you know what I mean that uh, why, why you know you know any of the sort of the, Woman. yeah exactly you know yeah. what I mean it's about seeing it's about bringing it back to DC character. people yeah people seeing seeing themselves represented on that screen that's exactly yeah. what you're saying like, yeah, um, or, on I, that, or on that page it's like when I was a kid none of these things are going to relate to this but do you know what the most depress- just think- before you start this story the most depressing part when we talked about Die was it was set in 91 and you weren't even born I wasn't born yet but I played D&D and you haven't <laughs> 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 but 
um, none of you are going to relate to this, but whenever I was a kid, I used to think I was the baby in the sun in the tweenies. I don't even know what that is. Tweenies is a TV show, but it's it, it goes back to the a kid. I'll see another kid and just assume it's them. So Shazam number yeah. one. Uh, no, by but, Jeff Johns the right, Daily so Kieran's the baby in the sun I'm the, the baby in the sun I am the sun therefore all life result revolves around me you're God you're God I am God right okay <laughs> talking about gods so, Shazam oh, I, the power of gods brilliant loads of them but yeah so it's, it's Jeff Johns picking up Jeff Johns needs to get his act together Jeff, <laughs> it's nothing to do with Jeff Johns Jeff Johns is um, ahead of the game when it comes to writing this stuff He's already on record saying he's written all of Doomsday Clock. He's on record saying he's written Batman Earth 1 Volume 3. He's obviously working on Shazam with a different artist. My thing with Shazam number one was that there was a variant by Gary Frank, and I'm just like, get your fucking ass back to Doomsday Clock. Still wasting time drawing a variant. But um, no, what I liked about Shazam I thought was cool. I really liked the wee backup story with it as well. Yeah, um, um, we get on with it. But it's it, basically the, the, the book picks up with Shazam on a school field trip. Like Spider Man is, and uh, Spider Man's <laughs> on the same bus. Spider Man's on the same bus as him, um, but it's basically it picks up. It's coming back to Spider Man as well. Now. Um, it picks up in a museum, and there's some sort of heist going on in the museum mm-hmm. with characters wearing just like masks. Yeah, like it's definitely a homecoming joke. A hundred percent. You guys aren't the Avengers. Yeah, but it's like it's one run about the Spider and almost said Spider Man and almost in a Batman mask. Yeah. one's run about and Superman and Wonder Woman. Now thinking about it, Superman masks a Clark Kent mask. It's a wee bit strange because there's no mask there. But um, <laughs> but talk it, about tangents. Yeah, but it is. It's a case where so Shazam, Billy Batson is is Shazam. He's he he's witnessing this, so he takes off and he comes back, and he's in full Shazam get up in the in the cape and the the lightning, and he's he's basically taking them out and. The, the the book goes the the start of the book is basically him taking out these these crooks, um, basically having a heist in the the museum, so that then goes into sort of the rest of the Shazam's family show up a bit late and they're they're all sort of having back and forth, but the back and forth it it, fe- it genuinely it's feels yeah. like a family having a bit of a back and forth, it's it's really well written through Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. but then it sort of goes into even like um, adoption and sort of foster homes and things where it's always been a big part that the whole the whole Marvel family were adopted yeah uh, so they're not uh, brother and sister not blood related yeah they're they're from an adopted family and yeah I can't I don't, I don't know how the, the Marvel family got their their, their powers I know how uh, Shazam got his yeah but I don't know how the Marvel family and then there's a there's a tiger in there somewhere as well somewhere yeah <laughs> that's uh, what the backup stories are about <laughs> I, I don't know either because this is the first Shazam book I've read uh-huh. but it um it's it's one of those things where it's sort of it's back and forth with sort of introducing the rest of the family and how they were all sort of being brought together there's a great joke in there which at first I thought it was just it was one of two ways I took it mm-hmm. I messaged you about this as I was reading it um one there's someone asks during the the heist in the museum what's your name mm-hmm. and Shazam basically turns around and goes well I can't say that there's 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 certain reasons I can't say it one I either thought it was if he says Shazam he's back to Billy Batson yeah. 
or B, you can't say Captain Marvel because yeah. Marvel owned the rights to Captain Marvel. <laughs> um, but then later on, it's still mentioned where they're talking about sort of the name of the family and they're still yeah. different names. And one of them goes, what about Marvel? And they get cut off as they're saying Marvel. Yeah, it's like Marvel. <laughs> but um, it sort of goes into setting up the Marvel family and setting up the uh, the station as their, their, as their HQ. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the, the last of the book is what caught me off guard most. It basically it's the the book ends with a cliffhanger. I'm not really going to because I don't know if many people have read it. Yeah. Um, but sort of darting around it, but it 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 ends with a cliffhanger. But then the next page, it sort of goes to like a manga type style yeah, manga. of artwork, and it's it then reveals that it's going to do sort of I don't know if issue two is not out yet, but I don't know if it's going to be every issue will have a different I, I focus on a, on a that's the feeling I got that it was going to focus on a different member of the yeah of the family because this one it seems like it, it might be a different art style every book because this yeah. one sort of felt natural with that character that it was sort of yeah. a manga style whereas it sort of introduces them being brought into the foster family and sort of how they feel when they're coming in there mm-hmm. so it feels like it's going to be a slowly slow, slowly as through the um, the whole run it's going to be there's one char- character in the foster family here's another one here's another yeah. one then it might be going to Billy Batson it's a really good use of back material I think instead of like a number one just being all background all background Mm -hmm. what I liked about Shazam is it jumped straight in as you say there was a heist Billy Batson shows up job done you you get get one splash page sort of explaining which is a brave move as well because not everybody knows Shazam like you could start a Spider-Man book with him as Spider-Man straight away you don't need to tell the backstory Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could start a Batman book straight with Batman but to do it with Shazam is very brave I think and uh, but then using the back matter of the comic to say here's this character it's it's going to be one of those things where it's going to set up all the characters then maybe if the if the story is ongoing they'll slowly start to do like Billy got his powers through this way yeah and this is how the rest of the, the Marvel family got their, their powers this way so it does feel like it's the, they've planned it out perfectly where it's this is your story if you want to know more you can read this you don't really need to if yeah. you don't want to um, if you're interested uh, and I don't know a lot about Shazam I've got a few first issues that were being published but uh, I think it was about 15 16 years ago um, Jeff Smith who was the writer for uh, Bone the writer and artist on Bone which is probably one of the single best uh, comic books ever written pitch it to us again as uh, a combination of uh, it's been called cr- cr- called a cross between uh, Bugs Bunny and Lord of the Rings uh, <laughs> and uh, that is that is very very apt but uh, Smith is is a writer and an artist and he Bone was 55 issues uh, back I think it finished in 2001 maybe but um I think it was 2000, yeah, it was about 16 years ago, but 2003, he released Shazam, The Monster Society of Evil, which was a four-issue a four prestige format uh, book yeah. that was then collected as a hardcover, and it's, uh, that's great, it's very, very good, mm-hmm. very good, and it, it covers sort of the origin and how he gets his powers, and you know, he's got the wisdom of Solomon, and he's got the strength of Hercules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> strength is somebody strongish, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, she's a um, monster side side of evil. But Jeff Smith is is a is a good shout on that. Um, no, it's, yep. um, no, it it, it is. It, it seems like it's a great jumping on point for Shazam. Um, uh, my uh, friend of mine, he says his favorite character is Black Adam, which yeah. is obviously Shazam's Joker. 
Um, but it's basically he, he swore to me that Shazam's the best character. Shazam's the best character. And I was like, Shazam's boring. Shazam's Superman, but not Superman. He's yeah. a big red cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, it's basically he's just he's just a big quipping just Superman. I was like, eh. But I, I read this and now I'm, now I'm genuinely interested. It's it's the it's the Green Lantern effect again. Yeah. I read issue one of Green Lantern. I'm like, oh, I made it like him, and then I read issue one of Shazam. I'm like, I think I like him too. Because DC for me it was always Batman. Yeah. But recently I sort of dabbled in other characters and went okay. I can I can get, I can get well, on board. Well, was Batman, but Constantine and Swamp Thing. Well, yeah, but those are very good more than. <laughs> Like a wee double, you do. Yeah, I like a wee double. From time yeah. to time, a Gooby double's a good. Well, yeah, Shazam's a good time to jump onto it. Um, I think that you'll have at least say three, maybe four issues out by the time the movie hits. It's interesting to see how they'll take the movie. I know if it's, it's supposedly the new Fifty Two run, but maybe there'll be sort of some input with this. Yeah, I think Jeff series. Johns has got a bit of a producing yeah. credit on Shazam as well, the movie. So interesting to see that um, but yeah it's just um, it's a good time to jump onto it it's only one issue deep uh, I still think the first print number one is still widely available um, so we can always organise that for you guys Jeff John's always a good shit for a writer or anything always you know it goes back to the old thing you know follow creators rather yeah. than characters um, so yeah that was Shazam number one uh, we'll jump away from the DC stuff and back on to a bit of Marvel um, this is going to be another one of Keith's picks uh, this is one that he likes to throw at me um as a counterpoint for Batman 50 uh, for obvious reasons <laughs> because you know Batman 50 was the wedding that didn't happen because um, he had his heart broken <laughs> damn it <laughs> the, uh, you know uh, then X-Men and Kenny X-Men had another wedding that didn't happen but a wedding that did happen uh, and it was clear I think uh, that the, the wedding that happened in Fantastic Four uh, number five legacy number 650 mm-hmm. um, they're a little ahead of us uh, slightly was always going to happen they were never going to let it was because yeah because of the nature of the, the wedding so that it was the it was the wedding of Ben Grimm the thing and uh, and uh, Alicia Masters which has been a long time coming um, fantastic cover well first of all Marvel all through December we're doing the Stanley uh, Virgin Tributes. tribute covers mm-hmm. just the Virgin cover the the number and the title at the back, the the full version oh. covers, and then the band at the top. Stanley. I think I've seen a bad one of those covers. No, definitely not. I think everyone was always going to bring their A game. Yeah, you know, whoever was assigned that. It doesn't seem like it though. But did everybody know that they were going to do a Stanley tribute cover? See, no, no. I think I think the. I mean, that was that's the sad Rivik. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just even the, the the format of the cover, you know, yeah. I mean, which is. The, you know, just looks, that, just that looks, banner at the top. Yeah. You know, Stanley, nineteen twenty-two to two thousand eighteen. As bad as it is, those covers look great. Yeah, like. and <laughs> that cover, the cover by Sad Rivik is great. Um, but from a comic it. point yeah. of view, a comic store point of view, I should say, they're a pain in the ass because we use racks at Coffee and Heroes, and normally yes. you have the uh, the title across the top, but the whole way across the top, you just saw the Stanley tribute. Mm-hmm. And although I, I'm a massive fan of how they've done it from a comic store perspective. <laughs> The amount of people who just looked at it and thought they're all the same title. Someone you walking know? in going, What's this here Stanley book about? Makes <laughs> <laughs> a change for me and ask if I sell vinyls. Is, from, is, she, uh, is she 1,922? <laughs> <laughs> from the point of view of someone who uses CLZ comic collector and their phone and scans the barcodes, it's also a pain in the butt because the barcode's yeah, yeah. always in the bag, the bag. and uh, there's always, the, the book's always in, bag certainly from Coffee and Heroes. Yeah, always bagged and boarded. So. 
Uh, lovely cover. Uh, I need those clear ones in there. Uh, Just for Keith. <laughs> <laughs> lovely cover. Uh, on the front, we've got uh, we've got Ben the thing in his uh, in his Jewish wedding garb and Alicia embracing, and then behind them you can see the heart is made up from uh, the clasp stretched stretch hands of Mister Fantastic. Uh, Isn't that a bit pervy that he's like watching them in their closest uh, moment? Like, just well, going, like well, well, and then and then you've no, got uh, you've got you've got Johnny Storm's so hands there, oh, you know, yeah. flame it up. So I don't know. Why. And obviously the visible woman is everywhere. Well, I yeah, think they, she's standing. <laughs> she's taking that picture. It's mm-hmm. selfie. But anyway, the the book was kind of a compilation story. Oh, like that. They're the ones that I don't like. Um, Unless they're written by Roddy McCabe. Well, there's a difference in <laughs> compilation and anthology. Anthology, like, sort of, a, yeah. Curse Comics Cabal. But uh, it was. <laughs> there was three stories in this. It was a, it's a, it's a, a bumper, a bumper issue. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Pager, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's along those lines. The uh, the bridge there's bridging stories by Dan Slott uh, and Aaron Cooter is the writer. Uh, the first, you know the the first story. And there's there's things that run through the stories. For example, uh, Reed Richards is the best man, but he just can't be bothered. It seems right the way through. He just he's he's busy with something else. You know, they're moving into their new their new base, which is on Yancey Street. Ironically, or Yancey Street is where Ben has always you know the thing has always been bullied uh, by the Yancey Street gang. You know, who are apparently these kids, and he is just, just kind of scared of them, kind of annoyed by them. Uh, but they're they're moving in anyway. They've made it into a TARDIS, so it's this apartment block. But they've managed to make it massive on the inside compared <laughs> to the outside. Um, you know, and uh, there's a lot going on. And uh, you know, Sue's looking for Reed to do best man things. You know, Ben has phoned her, and she's like, "Reed, he's sorry, dear. Critical juncture, one moment." You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, she's like, uh, "Where's her son? Uh, I have to stop him before it's too late." Fate of the universe. Yes. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, but anyway, the story is called the first story is called "Changing Partners" by uh, uh, who writes it? "Change Partners" by Michael Allred and uh, Laura Allred. Uh, you know, as artist and color artist and dance lot writes. Uh, uh, thing, Ben Grimm. You know, who as we know was massive and rocky, and you know has three fingers and has no dexterity. Needs to learn how to dance for his wedding. Say something else, sir. Uh, and may I just say very quickly at this point, this is the dream team that did the Silver Surfer run. Yes, Darren Salt exactly. riding all reds. They all reds, yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, Ben can't dance. You know, he doesn't have the dexterity to dance, so he needs Sue to to help him. You know, every partner that he's tried to dance with, he stepped on and crushed their feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so Sue uses her force field powers to you know to create these yeah, invisible barrier, so she can dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. And they use the concept of this dance to cast their minds back to before Ben was the thing. Whenever they were, before they'd gone through the cosmic ray incident, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's you know, Reed at that time as well is too busy to take Sue out, so Ben takes her out dancing. You know what I mean? And it's all like you know, and so the so this the idea of this dance is, and it talks about it goes right through this this night, and then it goes through that night they came back and they decided that was when they were going on the spaceship. You know the on the on uh, shielded spaceship. Ben told them no. Sue convinced them that they needed to do it. They just come back from dancing. You know they they, they get bombarded by cosmic rays. It crash lands. We see Sue fading away. Reed stretching. Johnny going on fire and Ben turning into this monster. And Sue then you know it goes back to the you know the first issue of Fantastic Four where it was actually Sue that christened Ben. 
you know, she was like, you know, he, he changed, you know, right in front of them, and she said, he's turned into a, a, some sort of thing. And, you know, that is something that she's always regretted, mm-hmm. saying that, you know. Out, out of interest, is this, like, reproduction dialogue from the very start the Fantastic is the, 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 the art has been redone. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's the same It's, it's the same, same, yeah. same dialogue. Just different. Same dialogue and the same sort of, you know, but... But yeah, they so they talk about that, and then they go through the the um, Sue introducing Ben to Alicia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so forth and so on, and, uh, and it's all you know juxtaposed against this the whole idea of him her teaching him to read again to dance because yeah. he could dance before he was the thing, but now yeah. he, he can't. Um, and the the second story is uh, Johnny. Who is, of course, the, the brother, the kid brother of the Human Torch? He's been, he's been, he's arranging the, the bachelor party, you know. I mean? So that's, uh, and the whole thing about this is that Ben doesn't. He wants something quiet. He just wants to, but Johnny wants to, Johnny wants to, put on a bachelor party for the edges, you know. Uh, ben is clear. He wants no shenanigans. And whenever there are superheroes involved, there's there are shenanigans. shenanigans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he talks about shenanigans. Uh, D-Man turns up. Is that uh, Adam Hughes art, is it? Uh, let me just double check. You could be. That is exactly who it is. Adam Hughes art. Well spotted. Um, Wyatt Wingfoot turns up. Uh, Mas- Vance Astro, Wandar, Spider-Man. Uh, we've got... Uh, is Spider-Man uh, old enough to go to a bachelor party? <laughs> yeah, <so>, uh, <laughs> Spider-Bloke. <laughs> you know. <laughs> at one stage, there's... Uh, there's there's four four ladies standing from the superhero set, you know, and Johnny's going, hmm, dated her, married her, scroll of her, dated her, hit on her. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, they end up taking taking uh, Ben to the ultimate uh, ultimate class wrestling, which is like WWF WCW, yeah. but it's for superhero super party heroes. So he kicks some ass at that, and then they, you know, they end up uh, drinking and so forth. Uh, the Serpent Society they strike, and you know. Ben's just going shenanigans, <laughs> you know. But, uh, it just works out. It works out fantastically. Uh, uh, there's a poker game, strip poker game, so forth and so on, uh, and it ends with uh, a real poignant moment, you know, at the end where, you know, the two two brothers, you know, they are effectively brothers, Johnny and, and Ben, yeah. and they're sitting on the curb, you know, the 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 bar is in bits, you know, because obviously they've been superhero and, you know. Johnny's kind of being really honest going you know none of my relationships have worked out and here's you getting married you know and uh, it's kind of like you know you'll get there don't worry you know uh, it's taken me 30 years to propose to Alicia he yeah. goes just you know whenever you find her be braver than me mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. don't take that long you know so it's it's lovely uh, the end then is the actual wedding four minute warning again Reed's been absent all the way through this he's been a real if, when it comes to being a best man he's been a bit of a dick <laughs> you know what I mean and, uh, so we we go to Arizona uh, where we uh, where we meet uh, where we meet Ben's uh, often mentioned Aunt Petunia uh, you know he's always talking about his Aunt Petunia we, we meet Aunt Petunia uh, she's going to be that she lives in Arizona they're getting out of the way because they want the wedding to be quite private just family uh, everybody's there Reed's not there yet you know what I mean the wedding's you know in a very short time and Reed's, Reed finally appears in the fantastic car there's some great uh, dance slot dialogue we have the wedding kicking off it's just it's looking beautiful and then we hear people of earth 
heed my warning. <laughs> you know, you face imminent destruction as uh, Doctor Doom appears over the wedding. And uh, Alicia, who's blind, is is that Doctor Doom? And Ben's, yep. <laughs> you know, and uh, he's, he's making this projection. It turns out that Galactus has returned, ready to devour our planet, starting here at the heart of Doom's beloved Latveria. Uh, but uh, rest easy, my friends. Doom shall protect you. After all, Reed Richards and his meagre band of misfits can repel this monster. I am more than up to the task. And of course, you know, the Fantastic Four go, ah. Uh, you know we're the Fantastic Four. We have to do something about this. This is the first time we've now seen the Fantastic Four properly together on Earth. You know mm-hmm. what I mean for this wedding. And Ben goes, "I friggin' knew something like this was gonna happen." Shenanigans. <laughs> 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 this right here. This is superhero shenanigans that they're ever loving worst. You know, and you know Alicia's very understanding, and then it becomes clear why Reed has been absent because he knew something was gonna happen. So he's created a device that can freeze time for four minutes. Four minutes. Uh, it can freeze time. That's ironic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or uh, good writing. So he clicks the button, freezes the time. So within the bubble that's left, you know, there's uh, there's the four, uh, the four members of the team, Alicia, Ben, uh, you know, and they have four minutes in which they get married. Inside this criminal time bubble, Reed has frozen the guy who we thought was the shit best man, has frozen the universe for his best friend. So we get married. Fantastic, exactly. Very fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and at the very end, the, the Didn't team. Even plan yeah, that one. yeah. Oh, it was it was great, absolutely great. So and of course at the end, married, the uh, team zip off in the fantastic car with the just married uh, the cans <laughs> attached to the end to go and save the save the world from Galactus. Nice. <laughs> great book, really great book. Dan Slot's writing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, looking forward to, yeah, Fantastic Four really really got it. That's great. Those game up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dan Slott's definitely one of the writers I would follow when it comes to his uh, his Marvel stuff. Uh, as I said, I was chatting about Silver Surfer before. Huge fan of it. Um, I'm a couple issues behind him, Fantastic Four, but just hearing the breakdown of that, I think I might actually read that tonight. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought you'd read it. No, 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 not at all. Um, Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all, but... Um, and then yeah the artists have gone but I love Adam Hughes' stuff so uh, the albums are fantastic he, he draws such a great Spider-Man um, Adam Hughes I have to say so yeah looking forward to have a good read of that tonight cool um, sweet so uh, just a couple more to, to sort of spotlight uh, starting off with a another number one another DC title <laughs> and another one that I would say is very different to the main established picking order mm-hmm. at DC uh, this one's from Steve Orlando and Riley Rossmo. No, it's Roddy giving it. That's why I'm saying take it away. <laughs> yeah, so this one is issue number one of a 12-issue maxi-series, kind of following on from what uh, Tom King and... Who else did Mr. Miracle? Mitch Dreads. Um, Mitch Dreads. So kind of following on from their Mr. Miracle Maxi series, we have Martian Manhunter. Or Martin Manhunter, as you christened him earlier. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think you were going to bring that one up. <laughs> Damn autocorrect. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we start start off with Martian Manhunter, and 
who hasn't been seen in DC in a quite long time. He's been in Justice League here and there. Um, just sort of turns up. Yeah, he just, he, it's it's only recent with Justice League. That yeah, he's, he's showed up again. I would say. I mean, this seems to be the start of. It's very apt that you mentioned Mister Miracle first. It almost seems like DC want to make sure they have a maxi series on the go with an off center character, kind of off kilter yeah, maxi series. 100%. Yeah. 100% because Mr. Miracle is massively well received and I think this is off to a similarly great start yeah because we've only got number twos out number twos yeah it was Just last now, week yeah, yeah. Um, I absolutely love Riley Rossmo's art absolutely stunning stuff um, but anyway yeah just bit of the story we would say we join Martian Manhunter's trying to have a vaguely normal life on earth yeah what we say mm. trying to be an honest cop but um you know space shenanigans just keep catching <laughs> up with them <laughs> but and it's pretty gruesome in places like yeah. just looking at the starts the, off with like the murder investigates yeah. is you know it's pretty i didn't expect to see that in the dc book but i mean yeah. what i like about this book so far is that it seems to have two main stories it has his life on earth and his fear of being discovered yeah and okay. it has his life uh, back on mars um, his life on Mars he would say I thought I'd let, set you up for that one um, <laughs> is there a life on Mars what's interesting about it is it shows him in a less than favourable light on Mars yeah and yeah. it's going through that but then on Earth he's trying to make up for that yeah redemption like Bucky very much so soldier. like very Red much. dead <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> it's getting late <laughs> I am. but um, I love there's actually what you were saying there's a class contrast in the art style yeah and colouring between Earth Earth is so grey and green yeah. and grim and then Looks when you like go to Mars it's not like the Mars you really think about it's um, it's a super pink and colourful and you've got like bright neon greens and it features the most bizarre sex, sex scene, scene of all time ever seen <laughs> yes both <laughs> the um, just going back on the colour it reminded me when I was reading it it kept reminding me of the Buzz Lightyear cartoon was like your star command <laughs> I, I don't know what it was first time I looked at the I'm guessing really? by the time you got to the sex scene <laughs> you were yeah. no, were you the son on that too yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was the son on that but it, it's it's kind of it's sort of angular faces and, and shape changers yeah and bright colours It's it looks it looks like it should be a cartoon before it should be a comic yeah with the art style yeah, I agree with that. I mean, a lot of that's to do with Riley Rossmo's art style. Yeah. You know, it is very cartoon. It is exaggerated features. Um, the first issue reading this one, I just I had a big sloppy smile on my face the whole way reading through because it was nothing like I was reading at the time. Um, and I love the contrast, as I say, between the real world stuff where it focuses on him as John and the stuff on Mars. Because what they're showing him on Mars is he's like a he's a crooked cop. He's yeah, not good yeah. at his job. I mean, this is not your traditional superhero type stuff. And he's not—he's not the Martian Manhunter that I kind of know. No, not the straight-laced kind of figure. But this is this is just crazy. This this is one that I recommended to everybody when it came in. I just was like, look, there's extra copies and shelves. Trust me, get it. This is, you know, it really does stand out. I think. Um, Have you read it, Keith? I haven't read it. Um, it's worth a read. Uh, I haven't read. I mean, I see what you're saying about the maxi series. Uh, thing I've read, I read the vision. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm looking forward to Mister Miracle. Yeah. Um, 16th so, of February. I yeah, believe. I mean, uh, my my exposure to Martian Manhunter comes through JLA and the Supergirl TV series. Yeah. This uh, is nothing like any of those. Okay. Even in one issue, I would say. Right. Well, I, I'm saying that's my exposure to Martian Manhunter is through 
It's just like um, cartoons and Supergirl. But it was it was sort of from left field when I started reading it. I think it's nice though when you get titles like that because you go in with no preconceptions. Like yeah, if you, you oh, yeah, yeah. if you go to start reading the new Batman title, you've a certain yeah. you know you already know what your favorite Batman story is and you hope it's going to be like that. If you're reading a relaunch of Fantastic Four, or you're reading a new Avengers tale, whatever. That's what I like about these sort of lesser explored characters, shall yeah. we say? You've no expectations going in. Yeah. Like I have no idea what they expect with this, <laughs> and I was not disappointed. <laughs> When you, as I say, it's, I know we're we're joking about like the sex scene and how it's done and stuff, but it was so imaginative, yeah. I, and I couldn't help but just <laughs> laugh the whole way through it. I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. Um, the second issue is very very good as well. Yeah. Um, the other great thing about Maxi series is as well, you know, you're gonna have the same artist and the same writer the whole way through. Yeah, that's comforting. I uh, you know? I know we gave them guff DC about Black Label and uh, can't meet deadlines, but mm-hmm. I love the Maxi series idea. Yeah, and I love. I haven't read Mister Miracle yet, but I'm looking forward to getting the trade. And this one's really cool. And then I'm like, I'm excited to see who they're going to pick next. Yeah, mm. well, that's yeah. it. The diverse enough range to do it with. They're slightly, slightly off kilter characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons I think Mister Miracle was so well received as well. Um, was that again? You had no expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing whatever their next maxi series is, they're also going to have to have the initials MM. Oh yes, right. Steve Orlando, I think I know. I think he did a, a Batman Shadow crossover for Dynamite. Yeah, yeah we'll not mention what else he wrote. What else did he write? Milk Horse. Um, oh, right. What's that? <laughs> I've never heard of it before. To be honest with you. <laughs> no, Martian Manhunter. If you're looking for something a bit different, um, I I highly recommend it. Found like seventies cop. Sort of yeah, it it, it has that sort of flawed cop feel to yeah. it. You know, he's on the take, but he wants to be a better man, and some tragedy's going to befall. Um, what's Serpico? Serpico, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Serpico and Mars. There you go. But then it also has that crazy Mars like yeah. contrast to it. It's not like that other Very green uh, green space cop who was supposed to be police procedural and met God in third issue. <laughs> oh, or, yeah, did right. or did he? Or did he? Sadly, again, I'm the only one that knows the answer. <laughs> so yes, that was Martian Manhunter number one. Um, we're just going to go into depth on one more. There will be a few honourable mentions at the end as well because I don't think you can break down just a whole month between four people into eight titles. But there was one more we wanted to talk to in, de- in depth simply because I think this surprised us all. Um, yeah. I would put this alongside Die as the best issue of last month. I think Die might just take it for sheer originality, but this is close. I do think this is close. Yeah, this was lovely. Um, so this was the Batman Annual number three. Annuals we've talked about before. Um, Sometimes we've talked about a time or two. Yeah, couple times even this this one episode. Yeah, um, but I mean annuals. I mean I know Keith had talked about it before. For example, annuals can sometimes be a little bit like gap fillers, cash grabs. It's nearly always a different creative team from whoever's on the mm-hmm. main title. Um, they are one shot stories they usually are good good points for someone if they just want to get into a character they can read a one shot story and decide if they want to read more but when Batman Annual 3 was announced I mean I was a big fan of number 2 but it had the benefit of Tom Keane writing it who's writing the main canon but this one is actually Tom Taylor now Tom Taylor I'm not overly familiar with I have to admit before this I was not overly familiar with Tom Taylor at all I understand he's an Australian writer Um, he's worked for... uh, he, 
I did start to follow him a little bit on Twitter after this, and also he launched Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, mm. uh, which might, which, which will be talked about next month. Uh, I guarantee. I mean, as I said, huge Spider-Man fan, but I'm not a big fan of just books starting with us yeah. and writers I don't know, and I had no real interest mm-hmm. in Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man uh, because of that. And then I read this. And I was like, okay, yep, put Friendly yeah. Neighborhood Spider-Man on my list. What's really interesting, just before we delve in the Batman annual, there's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man is broken down into two stories. Mm-hmm. And in between those two stories, there's a little editorial note. And the very top of the editorial note is, do we really need another Spider-Man title? Which I thought was really cool that they're addressing <laughs> the fact that there's, you know, so much choice. Tom Taylor wrote Injustice, the Injustice title. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... But yeah, I mean, Injustice is something I've never really get into. I've played the games and stuff like that. It does seem like an interesting um, alternative narrative to get into, but it's something I have very little experience about. But um, despite this being called Batman Annual number three, it may as well be called Alfred the Annual number one. (laughs) Um, The the story kicks off with uh, Alfred lying in bed. Um, The phone rings. He's talking about like one phone call, that's all it'll take, you know, to change your life, that kind of thing. And uh, looking at the artwork, I actually thought Alfred was asleep in his suit there. But he's just got yeah. dark pajamas on. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit of a that's what when I, I first read yeah. I was like, does he sleep in his suit so but he's ready to go? Later on there is a scene. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think what, what, what you need to make clear is that this first scene yeah. is set in the past. Yeah. Uh, and the phone call he's receiving is from the police. Yeah. Now, what I liked about this was, and we talked about it before, we don't need to see the origin of Batman again. No. I would be happy never to see this scene again. Yeah. But But now that you've seen it from from a different different perspective, perspective, it totally works. You know, this is the phone call that, you know, Alfred's a younger man here. He does work for the Waynes, but he gets this phone call that Thomas and Martha have been shot. Why did you say that name? Um, That's my bar. (laughs) And then there's this, there's this beautifully illustrated. I should say as well, the artist is Otto Schmidt. Um, I'm familiar with him mostly through some of the Green Arrow work he's done. Uh, but there's this beautiful little uh, drawing he has of Bruce standing there in an oversized coat, drenched in the rain, with cops yeah. in the background not paying attention to him. Um, they're probably talking amongst themselves, going, "Spoil little rich kid, he'll be fine, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, that kind of thing." He won't need therapy in the future. But uh, so Alfred, then you know. It goes from there to him taking Bruce home and trying to comfort him and trying to tell him that everything's going to be okay. And I see what you mean. You can see the evolution of it very early on. Mm-hmm. So the first um, part where Alfred's in bed, he's in his pajamas. This is before And that's anything. before anything happens. So that's uh, yeah. as life was normal. The next time you see him, he's in trousers and a shirt. He doesn't. He doesn't even have his blanket over him. He so he's he's almost waiting on the next yeah. phone call because he wants to help Alfred. Um, and then we jump into the and Batman we, and, portion. Well, we know that we know that that scene, that second scene of Alfred in the bed. Yeah, he's now not just Bruce's guardian. Yeah, or uh, or, or or the Wayne's butler. Yeah, he is. He's Bruce's partner. He's Bruce's partner. He's Batman's partner. He's, yeah, he's Batman's. You know, and guys. he can't afford he can't afford to sleep, but it's for the same reason because yeah. he needs he cares. Yeah, yeah. And then it jumps on to the Batman stuff, and see to be honest, the, like, and I never thought I'd really say this much, but the Batman stuff, and this is the least interesting part of it. It's just a very, <laughs> it's just a very generic chasing someone around the city. For more of the drone, like, <laughs> like it was all right, it was, it was serviceable enough. But and any time you get back to the Alfred stuff, yeah. this yeah. book just jumped in quality. 
Um, and then Alfred's getting ready, waiting for you know Batman to come home. And then you've got a uh, Snickers advert halfway through. Ignore this, yeah, you know, ignore that part. But then it cuts to like Alfred doing some of his tasks, whether it's you know cleaning the Batmobile or it's you know making dinner to make sure there's food there for Bruce. Or I love this kind of thing where he's making excuses for why Bruce can't turn up to things. Yeah, you know, he even justifies him doing this as saying Bruce doesn't have the time for the trivial. I mean, what's great about it is it shows Alfred doing all this stuff because he believes in Bruce's crusade. Mm. And he's like, look, he needs to focus on this. He doesn't yeah. have time for that. Yeah, he, yeah, but you wonder wonder why. You wonder... I don't know, I don't know if... By this yeah, point, no, I think yeah, it's because he's been doing it so yeah, long. Yeah, I've been... Yeah. I was reading it as... He kind of started, tried at the start, was like, do you really need to do this? And then it was just sort of one of those things where it's just warmed mm-hmm. down. He's like, I can't do anything he, to stop but this. But I think, yeah. I think it's, it's... But I can't help him all yeah. the way. I think it's it's a case of exactly that. He's, uh, you know, he's he's butted up against Bruce's uh, need for need to, for this mission to do, to complete this mission, to be involved in this mission. I, I think left to his own devices, Alfred wouldn't be involved in this mission. Yeah. It's because he cares so much. For yeah, yeah. But I mean, but he still has that touch of humor through it. I mean, there's a great line here where Bruce says, "I well, he's dressed as Batman." He says, "I acquired the relevant Pentagon reports from a Russian hacker," and Alfred says, "That's a troubling sentence for a number of reasons." <laughs> you know, the, the the humor's still there. You know, like Batman says, "Oh, he calls himself the drone." Alfred, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, as you say, I mean, he's at this point, he's accepted this as Bruce's mission. If he can't stop him doing it, he's going to do everything in his power to help him. Yeah. Um, so it's everything there whether it's like you know he, Alfred wants him to take a bowl of hot soup into the bat jet and all this <laughs> kind of stuff this was a great part actually because he says Alfred says however sir you're unwell and while I accept you can't sleep I would appreciate it if you ate something and Batman says you want me to take a hot bowl of soup into a jet and Alfred says no I took the liberty of preparing a flask of soup which conveniently fit beside the Batwing's missile switch uh, <laughs> it can be consumed one handed sir leaving your other hand free to continue to fight the forces of evil <laughs> it's, uh, it's just absolutely wonderful but then it jumps from that humour to every time he leaves I prepare for his return but I'll tell you what else there's one tiny tiny little panel on that page or Batman's drinking the soup yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the jet yeah, one handed yeah and then even all the worry you know Alfred's like the city demands so much of him too much but then yeah that's where he's you know drinking the flask of course thumb still over the Batman yeah. side switch but I think and I think the, the dichotomy as well of, of, of how Alfred does things you know he's he's hanging he's hanging the cloak you know yeah. he's he's uh, sharpening batarangs he's putting mints on pillows yeah <laughs> see I don't know if I'm reading this too deep whenever I was reading it. it was one of those things where sort of Alfred's trying to keep himself occupied in, of course he is in case yeah. he gets oh, yeah. the other yeah. th- the, the, the other phone call oh, definitely call again yeah of, exactly yeah. can you come pick up yeah. Bruce's body or can you come identify this body for us yeah he's almost it's, waiting on this news report of you know Bruce Wayne has been revealed as Batman his body was like, fine he, he mentions later on the book and like yeah I want to make your bed again it was um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, dement, yeah, so exactly. it and I replaced it with another one it's sort of like yeah. he's going through the motions of doing it so he's like I need to keep it's my a mind off yeah, of uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. what if he's out there and he's just been stabbed yeah I mean the artwork's uh, the artwork's beautiful in the action sequences you know the city on fire you know it, it, it works really really well but you can't help but every time you look at it go what's Alfred up to and then it cuts back to and then you know there's a scene where Alfred's just standing ironing what looks like a bat cape and you know 
Bam Bam walks in bleeding, and like Alfred's running like he's an eighteen-year-old man. You know, lest we forget at this point, Alfred's probably what sixties, late fifties, sixties, and he runs and he puts the cowl on as he's going into the Batmobile because he's going to go and save Bruce. Mm-hmm. And there's just this wonderful imagery, like <laughs> Alfred in a tux, and he's got like uh, the cowl on. That cool, yeah. It's just fantastic. And then Alfred actually gets beaten up a little bit. But um, I'm reminded that uh, Alfred is British SAS Special Forces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he can more than handle himself. But uh, yeah, he does everything he can to get, you know, Bruce has been badly wounded in the battle against the unfortunately named Drum. And uh, Alfred comes to collect him in the Batmobile. He's activating all the medical stuff. He's, you know, pumping him full of blood. There's, there's, uh, it, Bruce is potentially going critical here. Yeah. That's it. You know, he's, he's called in Leslie Tompkins. Um, who's of course their trusted doctor? I love how the the Batmobile seat converts into a, a gurney leg. Like, yeah, into yeah. a med bay. And there's even yeah, like types of his blood in the Batmobile. Of and, there is, yeah. You know, he's prepared for everything. But um, there was a great line here that um, where there's a great line here where um, Leslie's talking to Alfred and he says, "It's no surprise he takes after you. That's what happens when you raise a child." And it's something you never really think about throughout Batman. You almost think that Bruce Wayne raised himself. Yeah. You know, and then he trained himself. He went off and trained and all the rest. But you forget about those years from 8 to 18, 19, where Alfred would have been the one making the meals, making sure he got up for school, ironing his clothes. You mean all the stuff that he's doing earlier on in this issue? Too? Absolutely. It's the, stuff, it's the stuff that he then continues to do for 40, 50 years, you know? Um, and then he sees that justification there, because even Leslie says, you know, what... Um, Alfred is doing is a thankless task and Alfred says look every time I walk through Gotham I see people with family with friends with lives people who wouldn't be here without him um, you know it's just it really is just even just looking through it again it's just absolutely Ooh, fantastic writing and then the payoff the payoff is yeah. fantastic because the next morning Alfred wakes up again he's fully dressed he's waiting for the worst thing to happen but it's actually Bruce bringing him breakfast in bed and I do love the detail of the fact that Bruce Wayne can't cook. I've burnt the crumpets yeah. again. <laughs> you know? He never had to. Yeah. He's never had to. I've brought down elaborate global criminal empires using the bare scraps of information, but I can't work out how to toast a crumpet. Um, but even Bruce, even though he doesn't say it all the time, he, he clearly appreciates what Alfred does because he even says, like, Alfred says, uh, you took my communicator on my phone. And Bruce says, I did. I didn't want you to be disturbed. Like, you have earned this rest sort of thing. And it does lead to a good line from Alfred where he says, how did you take them from beside my bed without me noticing? Oh, of course, you're you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this is all, all brilliant stuff. And then the payoff, as you say, is at the very, very end yeah. where um, Bruce says to him, I don't want you to have to worry today. And Alfred, this is something Alfred's never thought about, which I think is interesting as well. But he says, really, and why is today so special? And Bruce just looks at him, you know, just pure love in his eyes and says, you know, get some rest. And then it cuts this beautiful picture of um, Alfred when he was younger. And this is probably one of the first occasions where Bruce has smiled yeah, after his yeah. parents' death. And, you know, there's just a pure joy. And then it's called Father's Day. Mm. I'm tearing up just talking about Oh, this. it's yeah. great. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I've got to say, fantastic book. It yeah. really, really was. I mean, we you hadn't read it before tonight. Um, hadn't Roddy either. hadn't either. And Keith and I had. And that's why we didn't want to talk about this without just reading it. Because yeah, yeah. it really was, I thought, a special, special yeah, book. Yeah, it was great. And again, a perfect example of an annual where you can pick it up, you get everything you need from it, 
Yeah. If you don't want to read another Batman thing again, that's fine. But, you know, you get everything you need out of that story. But, yeah, that was just a wonderful, wonderful book, I thought. I just, um, I loved how mundane it was. That sounds like a really bizarre statement. Yeah. But I loved all, just like even even him ironing, him doing all those kind of boring tasks. I just, I loved how it like juxtaposes with like Batman being crazy and doing all his stuff. And it's like, that's a different perspective and it's the stuff you don't really, yeah, well, it's the it stuff you don't really think about. And it's kind of funny because it's there's obvious a, Yeah, it too, is. Like, and it's, you know, there's, there's moments there where he's ironing things or he's watching things or he's stitching things and you're kind of going, well, this is takes to run a house. And then also interspersed with them are moments of him, you know, repairing the Batmobile or, yeah. or, 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 or making new batarangs and you're going, okay, that's what it takes to run a superhero. A, a Batman household, <laughs> you, know, you know, if you will. Um, yeah, everything I wanted out of a Batman title. Yeah, very, and very good. I remember texting you going, oh, Jesus, Batman Annual 3, that was a killer. Like, that yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> It's it's yeah emotional too. You don't uh-huh. really get that in comics. Sometimes it's all about the dark and brooding. But it was nice to see. It's about the dark and brooding, but it's about it. the long term planning. You don't always yeah, get that yeah. payoff in an issue. You know, yeah. I would I would argue that sequential comics are all about setup rather than the payoff. Like you yeah. keep reading yeah. them because of that last page. You go, oh, I can't wait until I get the next issue of this to see how it goes. Whereas with this, the payoff in that last page. I mean. That's just very, very clever writing. You could have put at the start of this was Batman Annual Three, Father's Day. Yeah. And it wouldn't have had nowhere near the emotional gut punch of the end. Um but yeah, Tom Taylor, as I say, I've started following him on Twitter. Yep. And he says he really enjoys not being tied down to either company. Mm-hmm. He enjoys characters from both and he loves working for both. So as I say, he's went on the uh, friendly neighborhood Spider Man and same as Keith. As soon as I saw he was writing that after reading this, I said, yeah, I'm picking that up straight away. Um, and it did not disappoint either. Yeah, definitely not. I'll tell you what, I uh, I wouldn't be sorry to see either Tom Taylor, well, actually this team of Tom Taylor and Otto Schmidt on Batman a wee bit more regularly. Yeah. There's something a wee bit, that the art is a wee bit reminiscent of Sean Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, quite art. angular in yeah, places. Yeah, uh, it's really lovely. The action scenes such as they are in the book because it's not focused on that are fantastic even just even just the detail at the start if you look you have Alfred's head and silhouette behind some of the stuff Mm -hmm. I think that happens on a couple of pages and it's just that little extra bit of detail yeah it's it's fantastic it's a really lovely book it's really well written Um, yeah I uh... and it ends strangely for a Batman book on a happy note yeah, it does. <laughs> With a smiling Bruce Wayne, even yeah. if it is a photo from 20 years ago. Um, it's good to see. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are all the titles we wanted to go into in depth. I mean, we're already past the two hour mark, as always. I mean, we could obviously well, talk all night. I think we did okay because half an hour was movie, movie yeah. time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah thereabouts. That's, that's not bad. But uh, yeah, there were still a few honorable mentions I would definitely throw out there for other titles. Um, Batman 60 was a big one. Again, just talking about um, how sequential comics are about the setup rather than the payoff. It was all about the last page on that, uh, which is where it ended, where Flashpoint Batman was in the back cave behind, Ooh. which means nothing to you, no. I'm sure, Roddy. <laughs> There's but a blank, blank stare coming at you right now. <laughs> as a moment in that book, it actually gave me chills reading yeah. it. Like, and it was a real. Like, you know, the way sometimes the last page of a comic is on the right hand page? and therefore you get a sneak peek of it while you're yes. on the second last page this wasn't like that it was the page turner and then the fuck and it was a real <laughs> great moment 
Um, so yeah, I thought that was a was a was a good standout one as well. Um, what else we got in the pile? We've got uh, in addition to having die on here, we also have die die die. Uh, day 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 that particular issue which was uh, issue 6 um, of Kirkman's surprise series uh, was fantastic it uh, was the origin of the murder kids mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the quadruplets um, Paul, John, George and Ringo uh, <laughs> and uh, it was yeah it was really it was really good what's with all the cats uh, that's to distract you from whatever that kid is doing here. Says Skybound Worms, just look at the cats, the beautiful, precious cats. Nice. Day 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 is a that's a great book. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm uh, discovering and it, it ends on quite a, a high note as one of the uh, one. So these these kids, the books about these kids growing up. You know what I mean? The the the, the quad triplets, or you know, and. Uh, it ends with uh, one of them going. I've always wanted to murder a president. <laughs> <laughs> we can only we can only hope which president that might be. <laughs> um, what else? Anybody else have any honourable mentions? Punisher. Every month feels like next issue. Punisher is just going to be on the list. Yeah. Punisher um, is just a great back to basics title. It's, it's 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 one of those books where. Okay, it's still picking up as I've already said of the whole Hydra takeover and blah, blah 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 blah, but it's it's one of those things where you don't need to know anything. You know, you don't really need. You kind of need to know who the Punisher is, which isn't really that complicated. Mm -hmm. But it's just he's not trying to deal with it. He's trying to deal with it. He's, he's trying, trying to kill. Deal like he's, Zemo, he's, like, isn't he? Yeah, he has one target. Yeah, ahead of him. He doesn't care. The, the rest is noise. He's feeding the mud, fingers in the blood. Yeah, <laughs> that ran well too, way too much. Um, but it's, it's basically it's, it's, right him, it's him, seeing Red going after Baron Zemo and just taking her anybody that gets in the way. Like there's one panel in the last issue that I read up issue five, um, where he basically drowns someone in petrol as they're sleeping, wakes them up just to go. Why am I you, wet? Yeah, he goes, why am I wet? And he goes, he lets your emails on and just lights the thing on fire. There's no reason for him to kill him. He just does it because he doesn't. <laughs> It's, it's so brutal like it's yeah. so violent no, but it's perfect yeah. for Punisher it feels like Punisher Max yeah. which is amazing very very good couple of uh, couple of Marvel series finished uh, this month and a couple started uh, Extermination finished I've uh, been talking a wee bit about that over the past yeah. few months it's the uh, uh, the Ed, Ed Breeson series that uh, is uh, closing off the the, the whole uh, all new X-Men uh, Marvel Blue or X-Men Blue sorry the, the, the five original X-Men who are were brought into the from the 60s to the this is uh, to leaving, the present day this uh, is now leaving the uncanny X-Men is it? yeah 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 exactly so it's 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 about putting them back where they belong and uh, in fact they do it's been a great series uh, they put them back where they belong and it was always kind of wondering what was going on how was this going to resolve with with the kid cable um, but yeah they, they end up uh the original five X-Men end up exactly back in the places where they were supposed to be. Uh, they set themselves, you know, their, their cable takes them back in time. They, uh, the worry was that they have now accrued all these memories from the past few years and the present day, you know, now they're going back. Uh, you know, uh, they've all changed. Uh, Angel had fiery wings instead of his regular wings. Uh, Kid Cable took care of that. Team <laughs> um, Grey is much more powerful than she should be. Beasts using sorcery instead of science. Cyclops is dead, 
uh, or no, our Cyclops has, has witnessed his his future self dying, and uh, Iceman Bobby Drake significantly has has come out as a young man, so his future self is going. But you know, and he suddenly realised that he's also gay. Uh, but he's you know, I guess it was he was raised in the in the sixties and seventies when that wasn't appropriate, so he always was in the closet, you know. But now, whenever he was living in the present day, the young man was living in the present day. He was like, oh. I, well, I realised that, you know. But um, significantly what happens is uh, they set a thing up where the, f the, the past experiences of their younger selves are trans transferred to our present-day X-Men, so they remember all these things and absorb all these things. But uh, what's significant as we, as we finish, uh, and I, I guess we've been expecting it, um, you know, we have a nice malt shop, uh, milkshake shop uh, scene with the with the original X Men. Everybody except Scott, because of the original five X Men, our present day Scott is now dead. You know, Scott Cyclops has been dead for for a number of years, um, and they they cheers to Scott and the milkshakes, and then Kid Cable comes back to his safe house and uh, pulls a couple of beers out of the fridge and says it's done. The young X Men are back in their own time. Ahab's mutant murder future isn't happening. Everything is the way it should be. It's finally time for you to come back. Dad, and we have uh, Scott and his his two uh, thousands garb. Uh, nobody stays dead. Ready to return, and that's continued <laughs> then in X Force One, which was fantastic. Uh, the other book that finished was uh, Old Man Hockey, twelve issue maxi series. Uh, didn't think it was going to be particularly interested whenever I bought the first issue. Mm -hmm. Bought the first issue and went, Alan, I uh, shall sure, try the second issue. <laughs> I'll try the third issue. Go put that in my pull list. Um, it's great. It's a prequel to Old Man Logan, yeah. uh, and it falls into it. Lovely, really lovely, really lovely ending to that uh, series as well. Um, <clears throat> it's definitely one I could talk about. Magic Order number five. Um, <clears throat> Magic Order is uh, the first original uh, series that Mark Miller's done since he signed the Netflix agreement, and I believe this is in. Um, this is currently being made into live action. They haven't specified show, movie. Could be a Netflix movie, obviously. They do a lot of original That's movies now. Well, it's only six issues, although I did geek out a little bit during the week there because um, Mark Miller put up, oh, just starting to work on volume two of Magic Order. And I retweeted and put a wee comment saying, oh, I can't wait for issue six, see how it ends. And he liked the comment. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It, it's little things. It's little things. <laughs> Uh, but Magic Order is one that Vicky's been talking about a lot and I read the first issue really enjoyed it but held off and then last week I read one of the five back to back and went fuck why didn't I wait until number six came out uh, that's what I have done yeah I mean number five I'll knock on the spoilers of course but number five really turns the whole series in its head it really does uh, yeah. in a way that you just don't see coming um, but yeah brilliant brilliant issue I have to say um, brilliant series yeah. the only annoying thing is issue six got delayed two weeks just to and them well, it's like DC. Yeah, you'd be used to that as a DC. Yeah, uh, you would think, but no, it never stops hurting. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was one of two Mark Miller series. Uh, Prodigy launched. That was good. First issue. Um, basically, about a guy who's the smartest guy in the world, the most athletic guy in the world, the richest guy in the world. He's the kind of guy that like governments bring in to fix problems, you know, in relations between countries, and he does this just out of his spare time. Uh, it's Raphael Albuquerque on R2 is um, the American vampire artist yeah. part time he's done detective comics quite a bit as well so I thought that was a really good first issue second one dropped this week I haven't got around to reading it just yet but first one definitely showed promise um, 
couple of Sp- speaking about an 80s kid right here oh, of course has, has to be GoBots number two Ooh. still enjoying it Tom Scioli's doing everything and I don't think he's got any delays just gonna put that out there <laughs> he's learned from our yeah. problem clearly <laughs> But um, yeah, it's still a, like um, didn't expect anything when I bought the first one, and it's just like a complete retro cool tribute to the eighties. Yeah, what could go wrong? Um, probably won't really matter until next Christmas. But Hellboy Winter Special was really good too. Mm. Um, but yeah, nobody will care about that until <laughs> next Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about December anyway. You say so. that there was a guy in the store today bought Hellboy Winter Special. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, good stuff. True story. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I read Hellboy Winter Special as well. I dip in and out of Hellboy. Hellboy's one of those yeah, universes I'm I'd the, like I'm to know same. more about, but yeah. I've never quite I'm kind of the same on it. Taking yeah. the leap. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's um uh is it Gabriel Ba? Yeah. And, and Fabio Moon. Fabio Moon. Yeah. They kinda piqued my interest in it. The one of the, their best thing they ever did was Day, Day Tripper. Tripper. Yeah. Day Tripper. That was one of the first things I ever bought in Coffee and Heroes, I think. Yeah. yeah. Day Tripper, wonderful recommended vertical graphic. Yeah, um, wonderful story, day tripper, so it was. Um, yeah, so that was GoBots number two, as well as uh, Hellboy Winter Special. Shout out for Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern issue two. Great stuff. A series so good, it convinced me to watch the movie again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The movie is not as bad as I remember, though I do remember it being like Batman and Robin. Ro- Batman and Robin? Batman and Robin level bad. Um, it does suffer from a terrible villain, really poorly realized. Yeah. But the stuff Sinestro, on was it? No, Sinestro. Fireworks. Sinestro is being set up for the second one. So the mid credit scene, because it was two thousand. I know this seems like this was made like thirty years ago, but it was actually made two thousand eleven. The mid credit scene is Sinestro putting on the yellow ring for the first time. Oh, right, okay. And then he, you know, more yeah. s- the more traditional oh. Sinestro. No, it was Parallax and Hector Hammond. But Hector Hammond had like this, like his brain was getting too big for his head. And his head just along it. It just looked a bit silly. And I know we put up with a lot as comic book fans, but this just was oh, a step too far in silly. Green Lantern issue two is great. Wait. Just wait to hit issue three. This whole this this whole Green Lantern run seems like it's going to be another. Every month we're going to be there. Yeah, oh, it, was good. it was good. And was another good. one of those ones. It's a maxi series. What happened to Green Lantern two? Volcano head. Oh, volcano head! Yes, yeah. that's right. This dude, this Green Lantern, has a, an erupting volcano for a head. Yeah, that's yeah. That's I can't remember I the story, but that's significant. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you can verify this, but it seems like maybe they're going to try to outdo themselves every issue with just some random strange. Well, I mean, issue three has him pointing the finger at God. Um, oh, yeah. Again, I'm in the position where I've read it, no one else has, but it was actually issue three that I read that went fuck. I need to watch a Green yeah. Lantern movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back to that movie, I much prefer Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan than I do as Deadpool. Uh, I have to say, you don't like Deadpool as Green Lantern. Uh, Deadpool one's a good movie, but <laughs> I just I thought he was really good as Hal Jordan. He suited the role. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and the stuff with him on Oa is really good. They were actually setting up an interesting universe there, but I started reading up on it after watching it. And the amount of studio interference was criminal. Yeah, like originally Martin Campbell came on board, and he wanted Bradley Cooper for mm-hmm. Hal Jordan yep. and the studio said no because he wasn't a big enough name he'd only made a thing the hangover whereas now they would cut off their you know, left, left leg madness. to put Bradley Cooper's <laughs> isn't it bad you know? crack that it took them until Aquaman they worked that out yeah it's almost like well you know there is the Nolan Batman trilogy <laughs> you know but we know that Martin Campbell was on a big big run at that point wasn't he was yeah I mean he he had already well, relaunched Bond twice 
He relaunched Bond twice because he did Goldeneye as well. Yeah. So he introduced Goldeneye. Bond for a new generation twice. But do you know, since Green Lantern, Martin Campbell had not made another movie until one I watched this week called The Foreigner, which has Pierce Brosnan doing his best Jerry Adams impression. And Jackie Chan. It is fucking brilliant. Really? Really, really good. <laughs> um, I love well, how... It's the second th- time I've heard someone <laughs> say that in a week. Brilliant. That it's a great movie. Yeah. I, oh, I love in it that they call the uh, peace agreement between... Uh, Northern Ireland and uh, sorry between Ireland and the UK as uh, the peace accords yeah, really. uh, oh, it's oh, it's, ger- it, it's worth watching just to hear Pierce Brosnan shout in his best Irish brogue are you out of your fucking tree which was brilliant um, but honestly yeah good movie, All right, good movie. but I didn't even realise Martin Campbell directed it until yeah. the credits came up to him uh, but yeah Green Lantern I think as Karen says we're probably going to be saying that every month Yeah, I think um, see until Grant Morrison loses a run himself and too many drugs before he writes it. <laughs> He's carrying on drugs right now. I would say. Um, so yeah, I can just imagine him just on drugs, like on ride-alongs with cops. <laughs> just, just sitting there. This is police like, procedural. So, um, <laughs> a couple of uh, what about God? How's your reaction with God? <laughs> a couple of Spider-Man related titles for me. Uh, issue one of the Superior Spider-Man and issue one of Miles Morales Spider-Man. Uh, Superior Spider-Man comes off the back of uh, Spider-Geddon. Spider-Geddon yeah. So we have. Uh, the the man formerly known as Duck Ock, uh, in a cloned body that is a combination of his own youthful body and that of Peter Parker, uh, living in I believe San Francisco and uh, working alongside the Natch the Night Watch, which is an old school, uh, sort of late seventies early eighties uh, Marvel horror based team, uh, to keep San Francisco in line and. Uh, he's a is a lecturer at Horizon University and also as a lecturer also working for that university is his former squeeze from the Superior Spider Man, uh, Anna Maria. Um, and this she pegs him as, you know, he says something like he gives a he gives a, uh, a lecture to the students and he's talking about science and screw morality and da 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 you know, seize the day, the die is cast and she meets him afterward and she's like, The die is cast? And he's like, yes, it's a very popular saying. She goes, yes, in 1930s gangster movies. <laughs> you know, and then eventually by the time that, you know, she has realized that you are an activist and he's explaining, but I'm, I'm trying to be a better man. I'm trying to be the superior Spider-Man, you know. And, uh, so great book, uh, Christos Gage. Um, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, first issue by Saladin Ahmed and uh, Javier Garon. Um First, I guess Miles Morales no longer been written by Michael Bendis, Brian yeah. Michael Bendis. Um, this was a lovely first issue. It felt like a Spider-Man book. Like uh, Miles is at is at school, uh, you know, boarding school. He's at this, you know, big brain school, and uh, he's got his uh, his roommates to worry about. He's got his classmates to worry about. The same as Peter did whenever he was at high school, whenever Spider-Man started. And, uh, he's out there trying to. He's fighting villains, and he's trying to. Uh, keep his personal life in order though Miles is a wee bit cooler than Peter ever was at that age um, you know he's a wee bit more successful and he goes out with his new girlfriend and meets her nephew and uh, you know all of this good stuff and then it all ties into the there's these uh, crimes happening and they're being perpetrated by small masked individuals and the rhinos involved and uh, and of course the, the, at the end it turns out that one of these he pulls the mask off one of these individuals and it's the kid that's the, the nephew and he seems to be brainwashed so it, it's a real classic Spider-Man story but with Miles Morales Spider-Man so going great um, 
Little yes, we love another great indie title. Yeah, two issues in, three came out this week. Uh, Scotty Young writing, Jorge Corona on art, great title, great title. Uh, Captain America Six, which for me takes the title of best Stanley tribute cover. Oh yeah, beauty, beauty of a cover. Yeah, Alex Ross, wonderful. Yeah, colors, everything. Um, great story as well. It's picking up on some. some threads from the Brubaker run on Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got um, was that Alexander Krikov. He's the, he was he's the the human the the host for for the Red Skull mm-hmm. and uh, the deeper story there. And uh, you know Cap's been accused of all sort of things. He's very soon going to be a man without a country, I believe. Uh, Titans as well, great book. Uh, really enjoying it. It's the book that has really fallen up from Snyder's metal and the source wall breaking and. The, the Titans have been uh, dealing with all of the, the fallout from on Earth and source wall energy and uh, it looks like Kyle Rayner, the Green Lantern, is about mm-hmm. to join the Titans and there's some great stuff going well, you on. You were saying there. they've lost a lot of members, so Yeah, yeah. well Nightwing's gone, Arsenal's gone, uh Boy West. West is gone. Yeah, we bit decimated, so totally total change. And then this uh, Doctor Strange number nine was fantastic. Um it deals with uh, gentrification of uh the area of New York that Doctor Strange lives in and has lived in you know the um, the Sanctum Sectorum mm-hmm. where he's always lived and it's over the years how people have tried to, to buy it you know this this company has tried to buy it and tried to move in on him uh, and at the end of it you know so uh, at the end of it it turns out that this company is ruled by a demon you know what I mean I think, you know, it comes down to so yeah really really. he says comics can't be relevant to modern times you know and I love that that uh, that cover as well it's an almost virgin cover Doctor Strange and lo a terrifying new, to- new foe cometh to Bleecker Street <laughs> <laughs> fantastic so yeah really good really good book Mark Wayne and uh, he just says and then uh, just as a final throw out just for me unless you guys have anything else with Doctor Strange there there was a great little uh, mini series The Best Defense oh brilliant um, which was a very unique little mini series for Marvel in that it was four one shots uh, one was Doctor Strange one was the Immortal Hulk uh, one was Silver Surfer and the other was Doctor Strange Al Ewing Jerry Duggan um, you had Jason Latour mm-hmm. doing Silver Surfer um, he was on Nam- Namor uh, Namor sorry was the other book um Chips and Arsky, yeah, that's it. And yeah, then, yeah. so there were these four one shots, and then there was a one shot to finish it called The Best Defense, which brought them all together. But what was unique about it was the four issues could be read in any order. There was like no reading mm-hmm. order, they just sort of jumped in and out of each other's stories quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was a really wonderful little series. Tarantino as well. Mm, yeah, it was kind of non sequential because, which is interesting for sequential storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, you could. You know, at the end of each, at the end of each book or throughout each book, a thing happened that linked them to another book, but it didn't matter in yeah. the order because they didn't all coalesce until the final. Yeah. So it would be less if you picture it less as a as a linear series and more of a a series with the best defense one shot at the middle and the other four on the outside feeding in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would maybe be a better way, so you can read them in any order as long as you read that last. Yeah. It was- I mean, I just picked it up because I'm a big surfer fan and I just wanted to jump into and it. it was, but yeah. that was really, really good V series. And it was, Alan was texting me going, oh, yeah, I think I found the perfect way to read it. 
I went, what did you read it? And he went, such and such. I went, I think I found the perfect way to read it. And he went, I, no, totally different orders. And we were like, but it made sense. <laughs> Just, I mean, you have to wonder how, you know, how much communication and skill that takes to pull that off mm-hmm. when you have a different writer for every single one. You know, for it to feel like a coherent piece, I thought yeah. it was great. Yeah. The art in the Silver Surfer one as well was beautiful. There was this one, pa- uh, this one splash page, which was the top half of the Silver Surfer, just, you know, above his shoulders. And it was just like all the thoughts swirling around in his head. It was beautiful, beautiful art. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw a shout out for that one as well. Hey, and I hadn't realised that the Silver Surfer's surfboard has a name. To me. To me. Yeah, because yeah. he always goes, to me. That's in Dan Slot's run. Bingo. Yeah. Right. so it was Dan Slott that introduced that in his run with the All Reds right. uh, because Don who he took off in Space Adventures was like why do you call your board to me and he's like the board doesn't have a name I just tell it to come to me and then anytime she talks about to me it's T-O-O-M-I-E yeah, yeah. I, well, this is news to me yeah. fantastic <laughs> who knew I could educate Keith and imagine, imagine. <laughs> but yeah that, that all Stuff comes from stuff's being flipped yeah, but, uh, yeah I thought it was fantastic you know yeah. and, and then there's this really great scene where I can't remember why. Oh, Namor cannot survive in space. Yeah. But whenever he's on the board or a mortal is on the board, the board coats them in the, you know, in the, the material, the, the, the part of cosmic, yeah. you know, and allows them to survive in space. They don't have to breathe. They don't have to, you know. And the board's off doing something else. So Surfer's like, how, how do I save Namor? So he ends up coming the board so surfers <laughs> flying along and Namor's surfing on his back you know because uh, him and the board are basically one ended one ended it was kind of it's there's some great moments really yeah. really cool and they sort of just flew on their radar as well yeah yeah it did, it did. And the, the defenders are a really interesting Marvel team because they they're a, a fair weather team they come together whenever they're needed and then they're gone again and yeah. then, you yeah. know, nothing happens then for about 10 or 12 years and then someone goes here you know it'd be great the defenders <laughs> you know they come together for four or five issues and then they're like right because they don't really get on yeah you know um and they emulated then in the 90s which was a great series called the secret defenders where dr strange got together you know he would call in characters it was a rotating cast where he was you know he would go i've got this problem i need uh wolverine and sleepwalker and uh the and Hellstorm and someone else you know what I mean and then four issues later they'd have Spider-Man and someone else and someone else you know and they'd all just revolve around Doctor Strange you know? yeah um, that sounds pretty cool as well mm-hmm. could get into that Dead Horse time uh, just like Dark number six <laughs> <laughs> it was good I actually forgot what happened in that issue it was one of the very few issues last month that I read when it came out <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it was a, um, it was basically a two part Detective Chim story, wasn't it? Five and six. Yeah, it was. Um, it was Detective Keith's Chim, favorite character. There was, there was basically there's two stories that's going on at the minute. Well, up until that issue, it was basically um, the Justice League Dark are on a different plane, dealing with Detective Chim fuck ups, and then there's Swamp Thing and Constantine and on Earth dealing with the other. I don't want to go into it because nobody's reading it. <laughs> I, I, I know you're reading it, but. They're not reading it, and I don't think many people are listening to reading it. Uh, first trade of it's due out next month, so yeah. I think it might find a bit of a new audience then as well. Because uh, I think they've solicited as the first four issues, but also the Wonder Woman crossovers oh, yeah. and the Witching Hour. Yeah. So hopefully that'll find a new exactly. audience. Just to say dark is quality. It's basically the the, the, the Constantine something part of it sort of caught me a bit. Like it was, it, the, all of it is great, mm-hmm. but obviously as two of my favorite characters, that's why I'm reading it. But it is it due to the lack great. of ongoing hell. Laser comic for the first time in yeah, 20 years, 30 years. 
<laughs> no, but it's it, like that. That story may have a big impact that I that nobody sort of knows yeah. yet. Sort of further down the line as well. But uh, yeah, as I say, trades should just like dark soon. So I, I definitely get on that. We'll definitely be uh, pushing that a bit more. Not that we don't push it every podcast <laughs> anyway. You know, so I, I, I don't, I'm not, not going to suggest shit. That's all I'm going to say. I don't suggest <laughs> well, that's, shit. That's what I would say to people with deadly class because I push it and push it and push it. But it's not because I have some personal affiliation yeah. with it. I just love that title. I think yeah. everyone should read it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that. Any other ones we want to throw in there for December? My boldest shot. I thought you were saying my boldest <laughs> shot. Yeah, it's going to be this. Done it, that one issue and, uh, of uh, Walking Dead. Oh, that's the one. Oh, a game that we can't talk yeah, about. Yeah, no, that. and that's yeah. why last December's issue of Walking Dead was the the issue that made it really interesting again. Because it, it sort of meandered oh, along a little bit. I thought it was getting there. It was getting there. It meandered along a little bit, and then boom, something big happened, and you were like, yeah. "Okay, you got my attention again." But it's that's why I and Oblivion song the, continues um, to be good with well. the previous board in the shop. Yeah, my trade was Walking Dead for one specific reason. Yeah, and that's a fair enough statement. But uh, yeah, it's the one title we can never ruin. Yeah, as Keith is a trade reader, which Sorry. to be honest, at this point, <laughs> The Walking Dead is probably the smart option. Yeah, <laughs> what about hundred and eighty? Yeah, a lot is the answer. Quite a few. A like, Wolverine's already appeared. <laughs> the aliens have come down and left again. Yeah, <laughs> as Kirkman promised. <laughs> anyway, yeah, cool. I'm I'm happy to stick a pin in it there. Um, yeah. You know, there's obviously much more beyond that that we've you know read, but we just like to try and point out the standout issues. Um, so yeah, I think this will probably be the format going forward. Um, I was looking, I'll maybe get a bit of feedback from people in the store in this, but I was half tempted to set up a separate Twitter handle uh, for the podcast. Um, and just then, if people have questions they want to ask us or things they want us to go into, or, you know, we want this podcast to be a resource for people. We want, yeah. you know, people to either learn stuff off it or find out recommendations or, or tell us that our format's crap and that we should change it. Or, or to buy Deadly Class. Or to buy Deadly <laughs> Class, yeah. We'll stop talking about. Just like Gargan, <laughs> and Milk Wars. Had yeah. enough of GoBots. Like, Stephen hasn't been on this podcast in ages, and Milk Wars is still being brought up. Yeah, and, was, and still nobody's buying it. And still no one reads it. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, George yeah. And what is the uh, Facebook and Twitter for Coffee and Heroes? Well, that's it. It's, it's, it's the shameless plug stuff at the end, anyway. I mean, obviously, with us, we're in Smithfield Market, uh, just behind Castle Court. Uh, parking is readily available. Uh, for us, Twitter handle at Coffee Heroes One. Although, to be honest, we do most of our most of the Lord's work, shall we say, on uh, Facebook. Uh, just search Coffee and Heroes, you'll find us. I just walk into the shop, open the door, and shed a question. Well, yeah, yeah, you can do that. I'll be there. Do it the old fashioned <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Write a letter. <laughs> Post it. I was asked one question by a customer. You know, I'm going to throw us in here for a quick five minute discussion. You sure. all thought you were getting away. Here we go. Um, but this will be officially the first question anyone ever asked us. Uh, it's from uh, Philip, and he said, "Do we have any theories on how the once this merger is complete for Fox and Disney, how they will introduce the Fantastic Four yes. or the X Men? Fantastic to Four the is already established. They are already people." But they're in whatever place they were with the books at the minute. What? The Fantastic Four they were missing in the comic. Yes. Yep. That's how they get introduced into the MCU. They're already established. But they're kind of doing that with Captain Marvel, I think, a little bit. Because obviously Captain Marvel exists in the MCU. 
but no one else knows about I, her except I have a like feeling her. that's they're they're already just so they already have their powers mm-hmm. just they haven't been working as the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. yeah I mean or, or even are there any stories that you think would be well suited uh, to draft them into it like Civil War was a good one to draft Spidey in on because yeah. he's an important character in that book and Keith's the man for this I one think, I think I mean I see what you're saying I don't think you can draft you can, you can introduce the Fantastic Four as new just starting out heroes yeah I think they have to be established so possibly establish them in a, in a movie like a, a Captain Marvel style prequel movie yeah would be the way forward for me anyway I wouldn't like to see the Fantastic Four established after sort of Thanos post, has already been in Avengers and, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man you know and, and just trying to find their way so um, it's a tricky one how do you yeah, introduce I, yeah I don't know when, when you think about our EMC when we're sort of setting up still the Avengers and all this like even in Iron Man 2 where Fury has like the, the map over all the different um, yeah. Inhumans or mutants or whatever are mm-hmm. there's tons of them yeah. but you don't see many of them so it could yeah. be a case where most of the characters that will be going forward are already in the universe mm-hmm. it's just we haven't seen them yeah I just thought yeah I, thought, I don't know I think it would be uh, yeah I think they have to they're going to have to pre-establish them yeah uh, for sure bring in the uh, this, X-Men in with this might be completely out there and it's probably a load of a nonsense shot in the dark but what if the Fantastic Four already existed in the MCU but the Skrulls kidnapped them and replace them with just normal people walking around and all this time the scrolls have held them somewhere off earth I mean that might be the perfect way then because yeah, yeah the, the, the scrolls were originally Fantastic Four villains yeah and I think I think we're maybe working towards in the next phase well Captain Marvel, Marvel are gonna, is uh, going to have scrolls in there Secret Invasion has to be Secret Invasion yeah so I don't know maybe that's it X-Men I could I could happily see introduced as new characters because yeah. they were kids oh, yeah. and they were already started you know? I, yeah. I think about this isn't even a joke regularly I think about how they would get the X-Men into the MCU and I've actually lay in bed at night being like I don't know how I would do that <laughs> if, if, if Peggy phoned me up today and went how do you think we would do that I'd be like oh here we go and literally think about it for weeks <laughs> and have you come to any conclusions no <laughs> still nothing I've uh, got sad news yeah uh, tonight obviously the uh the the no confidence vote you know over the the government and such went through but uh a subtitle error saw uh during the no confidence vote saw michael go ruling out batman as pm uh, <laughs> oh. it turns out turns out if you were uh if you were watching the the vote with subtitles uh he was addressing the uh, commons ahead of the vote and the phrase that man was mistakenly subtitled as batman <laughs> on the bbc he's I assume he was referring to uh, the, to, to Corbin, but uh, he said, "Yeah, uh, no way can this country ever allow Batman to be our prime minister." So it's not well, so a lot of Batman's American, yeah, so it makes know, sense. You know, the Coffee and Heroes podcast, yeah. politically relevant. <laughs> you know, finger on the pulse. <laughs> right. Well, I think we'll put a pin in it there uh, as we approach the three-hour period. So, uh, yeah, as I say, always welcome. Pop in the store anytime. Coffee and Heroes, uh, Smithfield Market. If you want to hear more of Kieran's uh, twisted thoughts on A, the Spider-Man trailer, and B, uh, what keeps him awake at night, how the X-Men will be in the MCU. I'll work it out at some stage. You can find him on Twitter. KieranM1337. At KieranM1337. I'm Keith, and you can get me at uh, Scannison00. I think you should spell that. (laughs) (laughs) 
just like an eighties X Men comic. Yeah, just you know, <laughs> just 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 Google Cable. You'll be alright. Yeah. And of course, um, we've got some exciting stuff coming up with Roddy, which we'll talk about in the next podcast as well. Um, you can find more of him on. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Roddy McCants, although I don't use it very much. Um, I'm on Fracture Press as well, so um, got that on Twitter and Facebook. And then in a couple of weeks, we're launching a brand new comic, so yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, which will be available exclusively with ourselves. But yeah, we'll get more details out on that uh, very, very soon. Um, so for uh, us, it's goodbye. Yes, yeah, see you soon. Cheers, guys. Good night. Bye.